listening to the Rational Rage Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover. This is episode number 19. Thanks for joining us uh, here again. We are all fired up to talk about the latest week in wrestling and what a week it was. We have Extreme Rules. Not Extreme Rules. We have uh, Elimination Elimination. Chamber. Thank you. you. It starts with an E. I got confused. We have Elimination Chamber fallout. We've got the Road to WrestleMania uh, firing up. Got uh, AEW with their super signings and other uh, things to heat up to revolution. Uh, So, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. And uh, as usual, Jeff is uh, here uh, as my compadre. Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, everyone. Everyone out there, we do have a lot to talk about. We have more to talk about than they were promoting on Dynamite last night. Because there was some point on Dynamite last night where they were promoting about three or four different shows at the same time. And my head was spinning like Linda Blair and The Exorcist. But let's see if we can untangle it all today and uh, take you through the week and just maybe entertain you. Absolutely. Let's start with WWE. We're going to talk about... Big, extreme rules. Hey, we're going to talk about WWE Extreme Rules. Let's talk about uh, the the big news that came out of Elimination Chamber, and that was the Miz cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase after Drew McIntyre successfully uh, beats all of his opponents in the Elimination Chamber match. Miz Lashley comes out, and he puts down a beating on the WWE champion at which point the Miz decides to capitalize. We talked a little bit about this briefly on the last episode saying coming out of Monday night raw, I thought Miz missed a golden opportunity beating down on McIntyre after he came out of the gauntlet match and he looked wasted, but here we had pretty much the same thing. Drew McIntyre, uh, again, very tired coming out of the Elimination Chamber. Lashley spears him, calls his shot for uh, being in the title picture, and then The Miz comes in and snatches this up. What did you think about all these results for this uh, title match and Miz cashing in successfully? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm on record in many places in staying that I'm not much of a fan of The Miz. Yes, every now and then he cuts a good promo and he does shoot promos very well. And and they come from the heart because he's right. Most people don't respect him. They just think he's just been around and he's a company guy and he does whatever they say and, he, and he's just good enough to, to stick around. And all that is true. That said, you're right. We talked about this last week. The Miz botched a perfectly good opportunity. But that's because the opportunity at Elimination Chamber that he took advantage of wasn't him taking advantage of it. He was led by the golden hand, the master of the hurt business, a businessman, a smart man, 
MVP orchestrated this whole thing. And the way they set it up, and when they had them talking, and the way Lashley came out and, and did it, and the way the, the Miz then took advantage of it, and almost blew it, so it kept Drew looking pretty strong. By the way, I, I thought the Elimination Chamber card itself was pretty darn good. Now, maybe because it was two and a half yeah. hours, so that, that's all good, but I thought both both Elimination Chamber matches were good, and I and and you know I think that the the first one, the SmackDown one, had a sort of a semi-surprising ending, and I, I thought it was perfect the way that Roman just killed Daniel after that. I mean that that that's what should happen. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, the way this was executed, I think it was well done. It was a wrestling story. They made it make sense. They set it up, and then they and then they hit the shot. They 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 you know they got the spare. And I, and I think it's fine. Now, I thoroughly thought that there was a 50-50 chance, at least, that The Miz was losing the title the very next night. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's fine. I mean, everyone knows he's a transitional champion, and, and this is fine, and he's doing sort of the chicken shit thing, and Lashley is, is you know, threatening him, which maybe it's going to be a face turn, maybe not. Who really cares? I mean, we're in the land of tweeners anyway. But... I thought it was good. And, and you know, this show, again, one of our founding principles is pro-Smashley. So we're all about this. Smashley is something that we've been behind well before most people were. We are the we are now thoroughbreds. We're Clydesdales pulling that bandwagon. For a while, we, we were jackasses pulling that bandwagon. But now we're, we're like the Budweiser Clydesdales. We're like French destriers, war horses. So... <laughs> You know, this this is all good. I'm 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 all about this. I'm I'm all about Black Superman. I'm I'm all about Luke Cage Power Man being the next champion. This is this is this is good. I thought it was great. For a long time, we have been waving the Smashly flag on this podcast, and even before this podcast, back a year ago, we were big fans of probably what I think is the angle that put him into the good graces of Vince McMahon. And that was the wedding angle with Lana and all of that. Vince is the type of guy, the type of boss that will ask you to do him a favor and he'll pay you back later. And I think it's apropos that Lashley's time comes up at the same time as the Miz who for years now has been in the mid-card status, the low-card status, but always somewhere hovering, always getting attention. I think the last time he was getting as much attention as he is now was with his promos on Daniel Bryan, who at the time was not an active competitor, was not an active wrestler. He was the general manager of SmackDown, but those were very memorable. And I think Vince does this to pay his top performers, the guys that come in day in and day out and work and perform, and this is how they're paying them back. Lashley deserves this. Miz deserves it too. Let me ask you this question, Jeff. Sunday night, after Miz cashes in successfully and wins, a lot of backlash related to why the Miz, he doesn't deserve it. This guy's a bum. He hasn't won anything in 10 years. Why him? Why do you th- why do you think Miz is such a polarizing figure 
And why do you think that reaction took place? I think for all the reasons we said, but but I think at, at its base, at its crux, at its core, it's that Miz was the spoiled reality TV kid from MTV, the real world, that, you know, sort of got a leg up on everyone else. Sure, he made it through tough enough, but, but he was already, you know, he had done two seasons. He was on the real world. He was on road rules once, once or twice. He was already... Now, this is sort of in the in the younger days of reality TV stardom. So, you know, he sort of cheated his way to the top sort of, uh, you know, th- through those means. Um, he wasn't particularly likable part of real world. Um, I, you know, and, and he is, he, you know, people have said it. He, he stole Daniel Bryan's offense. He stole Chris Jericho's promos. He's, you know, he works a safe style. All of these things are true. All of it's so what? I think the fact that people don't like him and the backlash is the point. The way it was set up was smart. I'm not a I'm not a Miz fan. I, I don't think he's should be considered a world champion, but he is a world champion, so it doesn't matter what I consider him right now. Um, but the the hate is part of it, and you know the. the you know, he is somebody, he's got, you know, his TV show, the Mr. Mrs. Miz or whatever it's called on USA. So he's got a little bit of star power. He's been in some movies. Yes, most of them are WWE movies, but it's he's been on some TV shows. Yes, most of them have been USA TV shows. But, you know, he's, he's you know, sort of a celebrity. He's a D-lister, E-lister maybe. He's getting paid. He's getting paid. And, you know... It is what it is. It's, it's fine. He's got Morrison as a sidekick. They do comedy well. He's not holding this title for a long time. People don't worry. He's, he's losing it before or at Fastlane. He's not going to be the. He's not main eventing WrestleMania. Um, you know, just everyone can chill. It's you know the the attention is part of it. They're going into Peacock. That you know this kind of controversy, this kind of backlash, this kind of social media is all all you know all part of this. This this is strategery. Fastlane will be the first Peacock covered, um, you know, WWE migration pay-per-view. Um, so there's mm-hmm. theoretically 31 and a half million more households that, you know, might have eyes on this that didn't before or, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And I'm sure they're going to cross the mo- promote the heck out of it. That's why they aired Young Rock again after Raw on USA. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be commercials left and right on on every show, on every sporting event that NBC airs. So, you know, that's all part of it. It's all part of business. Absolutely. Going back to Monday night, um, as you mentioned before, we had MVP cut a great promo, tying everything back together with this business deal between uh, Lashley, Miz, that's, or I guess originated in the triple threat match for the United States title where Morrison ends up costing uh, MVP's words, not mine. Uh, Lashley, the title Lashley looks strong there. Lashley looks strong attacking drew and on raw. We have Lashley fighting Braun Strowman at the end. And again, booked very well, very strong. He choke slams Braun Strowman Mm -hmm. and defeats him clean with a spear. What did you think of all this? All four. And then he laid him out with the um with the hurt lock. 
So good. I mean, listen, I, I like Braun in theory. I don't like Braun in practice. He's exactly the kind of guy that that, that I can that I would like. Six nine, strong guy, looks scary. He should never speak. He's he's really really bad at it. Um, and see, people say Lashley's bad at it too. I disagree, but I understand what they're saying. But like Lashley is just soft spoken. Yeah. Braun, it, it just sounds phony when when he tries to do the roar thing. So anyway, listen, the only thing that that, that went wrong with Lashley in that that segment that, that we liked a year ago, I, I don't know why I'm going back to that right now, is that they didn't follow up on Lana and Liv, because that, that would have been awesome. Um, but beyond going back to today or current, um, I, I thought it was great. And Braun, I think, is not completely healthy. Uh, so... You know, I, I, there's going to be some repackaging of him. And you know it's all going to be about that somehow Adam Pierce screwed him or Shane screwed him, and and, and, and that's going to be the gimmick match. And you know what? It, it's not hard to rebuild a six foot nine, 330-pound, you know, power lifter that looks like a, you know, you know the, the champion of, of you know, a, a Beowulf remake or something, uh, you know, or Robin Hood's buddy Little John, and then he comes out. So it's not hard to rehabilitate someone like that, and he'll get his his time again. It's, it's Agreed. no big deal. You know, he just I was, the contract. I, real real quick in in watching him take the L cleanly from Lashley, I I couldn't help but think that his his stature right now in the roster is very similar to Kane's. Kane started out as a big guy, force of nature, brother of the Undertaker, went over real early, became a world champion. But for the most part of his career, he always kind of hovered around the middle, right? The mid card and just worked a big guy. Every once in a while would go back to to the title picture, but not really. Tag teams with, you know, random strangers, X Pac. Daniel Bryan, like that's not a bad place to be, right? It's a great place to be, but not just Kane. I mean, actually, the, the I mean, other big guys too. Mark Henry was sort of treated the same way. Sometimes serious, but a lot of times not serious. I mean, for God's sake, he he was in love with an octogenarian who gave birth to a hand. Um, that's right. You know, Brodus Clay was the the, the, the Funkasaurus. You know, yeah, but Brodus uh, Clay and, is. We're talking about legends, not yeah, Brodus Clay. And, and He's then, a Fox News legend now. First of all, I love Rodas Clay. I don't care. You know, uh, uh, Tyrus is wonderful. He was in Preacher. He's been in lots of in TV shows. And, and and yes, I know he's a he's a he's a Foxer and probably a flat earther and things like that. But okay, um, moving on. But you know who he's most like Braun? That is the gargantuan gig, the enormous event, Mister Paul White. He's he's he's. He's the big show. Sometimes they're going to turn him on, and other times they're going to turn him off. And you know what? You can always turn him on because he's that goddamn big. Yep, this is true. This is true. But I, I only bring it up because I want to have that conversation to say, hey, that's not a bad place to be. Like, there's a lot of money to be made there, and a lot of airtime too. So, you know, well, we, you don't always have to be at the top. Well, we talked about it last week. How there is a significant element of the wrestling fan base and there sort of has to be to be a wrestling fan 
that thinks that it's better for whatever wrestler X. Cause if I say a name, it's going to be polarizing and I could say 23 names and it'd all be the same thing, but it's better for wrestler X to go to new Japan and compete for the IGWPG or whatever, you know, open weight title. It's better to go to MLW and be their world champion. It's better to go to impact and be the, the new TNA champion or impact champion. It's better to rack up those accolades and always have a title than to be a mid carter or a low carter making 10 times the money. Plus, I mean, the WWE guys probably make almost as much as an impact guy just off royalties off the, the various video game platforms, yep. um, you know, and, you know, YouTube stuff, maybe even less. Uh, I mean, not less money. I mean, less forums, less platforms, just the royalties alone, you know, not even mentioning the merch. This is a job. People don't understand it's a job. So, mm -hmm. you know, do you want to be Adrian Brody who, you know, came out in the piano, won an Oscar, and then basically has been in obscurity ever since? Or do you want to be Michael Rucker who's always worked and then, you know, got lucky with a sort of small part in the MCU and got a pretty good part and, you know, you had a relatively minor role in The Walking Dead, but the guy always worked. Go, go back to uh, Eight Men Out uh, or, yeah, Eight Men Out, and he, he was in that. I mean, the guy's always worked. Uh, do you, would yeah. you rather be him or would you rather be Adrian, Adrian Brody with his one Oscar? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 what it, what is, what's the phrase? Uh, Better to have loved and lost than have never loved at all. No, I was going to go with six of one, half dozen of the other. I don't think that's the phrase you're looking for, because that means that it's even, that's basically even Steven. Oh, no, but, well, I mean, it's, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess you're right. I know I'm right. I would. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm I, Steven. I, I, you I, think I'm, I would all, know about even Steven. Yeah, I, no, I'm all for Lashley. Uh, I don't think WWE doesn't realize that, that, I think it's been conscious for them to make the turn to have a lot more minority champions. Uh, I think that they've heard, you know, that the, they got the some goodwill from Kofi, but that only lasts as long as Kofi was champion. And I think they know that they have to have more champions of color and that Samoan only sort of counts, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially I, I, Samoan that looks like Roman Reigns. I will only criticize one thing from Lashley, and that was his promo on Monday night. You, you made a reference to it earlier saying that he's soft-spoken. I just would like him to slow down. You know how like Roman slow downs his cadence mm -hmm. and like you're kind of hanging on every word that he's going to say. I felt like in his face to face with Miz, it kind of seemed very rushed to be like, you know, you're going to tell me, you know, the you're going to tell me an answer by nine o'clock. Like he should have just like slowed it down, been a little more menacing in that fashion. But, I mean, regardless, you still got the the message. But, I mean, the way that they kind of kept replaying it, I, it just kind of stuck out. And I, I just wish he was a little more kind of like Roman in that fashion where he's just very methodical in his words because that comes from a place of confidence, right? Like, I'm not afraid of you, Miz. So I'm going to slow down and I'm going to tell you, bitch better have my money at 9 o'clock. I think it would have been smarter for them to let MVP do the talking and and have Lashley, you know, hold the collar of the Miz in that threatening way. That said, yeah, 
I didn't think it was as bad as other people think it is. I mean, I am admittedly biased. I am pro Smashley, pro Lashley. I liked him as the belt collector, uh, all of that. But I sort of thought it was a good line that, you know, you're going to be filming a new reality uh, <laughs> show, uh, how Bobby Lashley sent the Miz to the emergency room tonight or something like that. I, I, thought, I mean, Yeah, you like that? So I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It, it, I, I thought it was fine. Um you I would I like I liked it too, but I just wish he would have said it a little slower, like, I'm gonna send you to the emergency room. Yeah. I mean I thought it would have been better. Or on this show, I sort of feel but I really mean it this time, I sort of feel like Raw was a, a little bit discombobulated, but there was more matches, more things happened. I think it's sort of getting a reset reboot, and I think they're gonna try to make it more of a wrestling show, uh, which is what it should have been. Um but they, they, you know, get away from the formula of two matches an hour. Uh, you know, I, I think more in-ring action. Um, and I just think there was a lot more segments. They didn't all make sense. They didn't all flow together. But um, No, know, they didn't. And I think that's, that's what kind of set me off on this episode of Raw because I felt they were doing a real good job of kind of making the last couple episodes kind of mesh well together. But this one just seemed like a lot – in some places they were continuing storylines and in some places they were restarting storylines. Um, Can I tell you what I thought was bad though in, in, in raw and a couple things that were good. Sure. The way they're portraying Matt Riddle, sorry, Riddle and our truth they're the characters are basically indistinguishable at this point, which I think is not a good thing really for either of them, but Especially not for Riddle, because I mean, truth the the die is pretty much cast at this point. Retribution is an absolute joke, and Ali is nothing but a fool. If those guys don't turn on him soon, there's, I mean, you know, I'm the one who says good bookings only three weeks three weeks away, three strong weeks in a row. But they'd have to try really hard. The whole thing with Braun and Shane and Adam Pierce was a little bit odd. Uh, I actually wrote down Shane is dumb, though I did like one line he said he, when Braun said something. He goes, I think that idea sucks, or I think you suck. That was okay. Um, I like that Shelton and Prime seem to be working better together, and so maybe they've squashed that dissension thing, hopefully forever. I thought it was dumb that we had two Rhea Ripley vignettes, which as far as I could tell were, were 80% identical. And th- those are just sort of like the the – quick things. There's other things that we could probably talk about. I do want to say one other quick thing, and that is that Lana changed her gear where she was having wardrobe malfunctions into a safer gear, which is probably good for her on TV, but bad for the rest of us. I still have to look this up where you were saying she had a wardrobe malfunction. I totally missed that oh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned Riddle. Riddle did end up winning the United States Championship from Bobby Lashley, although Bobby didn't take the pin, it was Morrison who was inserted at the last minute because Keith Lee was pulled due to an undisclosed injury. It was undisclosed, right, Jeff? Correct. Yeah, to to my knowledge, there's still nothing disclosed. And he didn't show up on Monday Night Raw, so he's still, you know, missing in action. I have to be Uh, honest with you. I, I think that Keith Lee and Bray Wyatt both have the same injury, and that's they're on the Slim Fast Extra Diet. You think so? I think that Bray has decided to take some additional time off due to uh, paternity leave and FMLA, and that's really why he hasn't been 
there for a prolonged period of time. I think that's first of all, independent contractors don't get FMLA. Employees get FMLA. Secondly, no, he's he he got into great shape and he's slowly but surely gone back into being a big fat guy again. And he he is I think him and Keith both have been were given an edict that you boys have seven weeks to lose thirty five pounds each. I I haven't seen I again I haven't seen Bray Wyatt in a while. I've only seen Keith Lee on TV, and he does look like he's slimming down. But I wouldn't say at the clip of thirty five pounds in seven to eight weeks. If they were to be successful, I'd I'd need to know what this diet looks like because. I, I would like to be on it. 35 pounds in eight weeks? What it looks like is temporary because all of those diets are temporary. But <laughs> d- d- don't worry about that. That's just my that, – that, you know what? That, that's going to be my first QAcon segment um, where it's like QAnon with conspiracies, but QAcon, which is not necessarily about Tony Khan because it's also Kenny Khan or Keith Khan, whoever's with WWE. So QAcon a hammerlock hangover exclusive conspiracy theory about wrestling and crazy ass booking ideas. QAcon brought to you by the Malachi of evil dose. Very good. I, we need, I feel like we need to come up with our own intro for QAcon. Okay. Well, is, is the uh, theme from a current affair? Is that public domain yet? Look into that. Thanks. <laughs> I don't think so. We'll look Thank into you. it. I think, I think we've got a lawyer somewhere working for us. Yeah. We need a good lawyer though. Um, let's talk about something else that caught a lot of people's eye and there was a lot of conversation about, um, this segment on raw and that was Ric Flair and Charlotte's promo backstage after this happened after Charlotte and Oscar fought Shayna and Naya for the umpteenth time. And in this match, um, I don't know if all of you caught this, but Shayna stiff kicked Asuka in the face uh, to which the video is online. So you can look it up and Shayna immediately realized she caught her with um, a stiff kick and went down and like apologized to her immediately. And it looked like it rocked Asuka for a couple of minutes. And the finish was that Charlotte inadvertently kicks Asuka in the face and costs the team the match. So, after this match, there's this disagreement. Charlotte wants to apologize to Asuka. Asuka doesn't want to hear it. She's angry with Charlotte. And Charlotte's like, I've got enough stuff on my mind. I gotta, I'm out of here. Backstage later on, we see her cut a promo. It's a backstage segment with her father. And it's something very similar to what we've already seen, right? Rick says, I, I, wanna, I don't want to stay home. I want to live my life. I want to be known as the guy behind the Raw Women's Championship. That's why I, you know, uh, you know, saddled up next to Lacey, and I'm helping her. I see a lot of, I see a lot of your quality, Charlotte and Lacey. So I want to help her out, and I want her to to elevate her game. You know, all of this stuff. I also admire the fact that they had to make it clear that it's not Rick's Rick's baby and that Charlotte gives him a hard time. Like you even think it's funny that you thought it was your baby. Like it's not your baby. Like 
Did they say that, or did he just say, "I never said it was my baby"? I mean, is it still unclear? Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. He said, "I, I think it's I still an open question." Yeah, but you know, I think they were kind of going to like answer it without yeah, yeah. answering it. I, I agree. I, I don't think we're ever going to hear about Lacey Evans' baby again. Yeah. So, which is fine. <laughs> which is which is one hundred percent okay. It gets the hammerlock hangover seal of approval. I just thought that this segment, like, it was awkward. The That's the best word that could describe it. I felt it was awkward. I said that on Twitter, and then a couple people jumped on my throat, and one guy was like, this is why young people can't appreciate. You know, on, in, on social media, you can't really tell how old anybody is. So this guy's like, this is why young people can't appreciate good storytelling is then they think fucking things are awkward. And I'm like, okay, I guess 40 years young is young. All right. Thank you. Yeah, you're you're young and hip. I'm young and um, hip. What did you What did you think about this? I, I I really enjoyed it when Claire took over the closet company, but Jay still came to work, and she felt that he was undermining her, and everyone laughed at his jokes. But he just wanted to support her, and he just enjoyed watching her so much. But she felt it was undermining. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. This is a modern about? family. This is raw. We're talking about. Oh, that's right. It's the same goddamn plot. You know what? This is just a reset from what they did like twice before. They pivoted with the Lacey thing. I guess that caught them by surprise. Fine. I I, I don't care. We, we knew that Asuka and Charlotte had to break up sooner rather than later. Why not now? Because we, you know, we've predicted that Charlotte and Rhea are going to be facing each other in WrestleMania. Don't know what Asuka is going to be doing. Um, but you know, the promo itself, it was fine for the first five minutes. It was not fine for the next 35 minutes that seemed to go on. Um, but it was, it, it just, it just droned on forever. It was like it, she said it, the same thing three times. It did, right? Like, that's yeah. also why I thought it was awkward. Like, it just kind of like, it seemed like, I don't know, maybe it was Rick was forgetting where he was supposed to go with the, like, the angle. And Charlotte kept trying to redirect him. Then there's you know, real tears, crocodile tears from Charlotte. You couldn't figure it out, but it's, it's it just fine. was very, it was can, very convoluted to me. Can we talk about a couple things though, where, you know, she's talking about expanding the brand. He's talking about expanding the brand. Well, she's talking about protecting the brand. He's talking about expanding the brand that he likes blondes. And she's like, well, you like a lot of blondes. And can we talk about that? She's like the quintessential blonde. And that's, I mean, there's a lot of creepy sort of, subtext going on there this whole thing is creepy and however it ends is fine um if rip comes back into heel charlotte's corner and heel charlotte beats oscar by some trickery or whatever um it, whatever it is i don't care face charlotte is is weird heel charlotte you know i know that people think that she's forced and whatnot but fine that that's you know they have options now. There's about ten good women, and there's and there's tons of them in the pipeline. Um, anyway, this, we knew this I, is where it had to go. Th this was weird. I agree with you. The promo was way too long. I think it's going in that same direction that you alluded to. I think it's a matter of. I think all of this was rehashing what they've already been kind of getting at previously, just to as the red herring, right? Is to say. You know, oh, there's no way that Charlotte, you know, is going to team up with her dad. But 
if the eventual heel turner is coming, what better way to turn her heel than to have Rick, you know, help her beat Oscar, put her in the corner, put him in the in her corner again, come back home, and her and her double down on, yeah, this is flair nepotism. Right, it's the flair he does, brand. He doesn't go home. He all. comes home. He doesn't have to go home. He comes home. Exactly. Exactly. I I think that's brilliant, but. I also saw you tweeting out your own theory on um, Rick and having a stable of blondes. <laughs> that was my little joke. Yes. Yes. But please. I liked it. I, th- I, I took it earnestly. Um, okay. Well, it, it was a joke, but it, based on the blonde <laughs> thing, it, it, it was that Rick should not only continue with what he's doing with Lacey, he should double down on it. And take on blonde ambition, which is what I call Dana Rose and Mandy. I'm sorry, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, um, and uh, lead them to tag team gold. Uh, and then he should also take on Rhea Ripley, who will be the one who beats up Charlotte and let her stay face, meaning Charlotte, and and let Rhea beat her up and take her title away. Uh, and then when Lacey comes back, you know she can, you know, do something. I I don't know. We'll worry about that then. Um, but yeah, have, have all the blondes. Uh, I said four has always been a good uh, lucky number for him, so he can have uh, the uh, you know four four uh, fake blondes or whatever the the faction wants to be. Um, the pale horsemen, <laughs> the pale horsewomen. There you go. But I think that's a brilliant idea, right? Put the pale riders. If Rick wants to be behind the 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 woman that has the Raw Women's Championship, then yeah, why not? put him in Rhea Ripley's corner. Not that Rhea needs him, but, you know. Blonde Ambition, they, they couldn't even beat Lana and Naomi. I mean, they basically lost in a, in, a, in a squash. Yeah, I mean, they could definitely use Ric Flair's assistance. But By the way, Lana point, is, is, is eligible for the faction as well. She's well eligible for membership. Well, listen, she's going to get the Raw Women's Tag Team title. Oh, I'm calling it the Raw Women's title. Uh, it's it's just the tag team titles. The women's yeah, WWE tag team, title. tag team title. Well, quite possibly. I, I'm not convinced that, well, they can still get them. I'm just not convinced who they're going to get them against. Is it going to be Shania or is it going to be Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez? I, I sort of hope it's Kai and Gonzalez, but losing to Naomi and Lana would be fine because that could uh, cause the, the schism between Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez because Raquel Gonzalez does not need Dakota Kai. Absolutely. Agreed. Can we talk about Anything something else? you hate and I like? Yeah. Satanic bliss and and Orton regurgitating black green bile. I liked it better when Papa Shango did it, but even then I hated it. I liked it better when Papa Shango did too, but I'm all about satanic bliss. So, okay. It's the same conversation as last week. I can show my age here. Like, I'm going to tell you when I was a child and I saw the Ultimate Warrior like do this spot originally when Papa Shango uh, poisoned him, it freaked me out as a child. Like, mind you, I also... (laughs) Meanwhile, I also hated the the Ultimate Warrior because of what he did to Hulk Hogan. And as a child, I loved Hulk Hogan. He was like a superhero. I I love Papa Shango. I love the whole thing. I don't know why people don't like it. I don't know, know why people look back at it in horror I, I think they're dumb so you think they do i don't think so i think papa shango is probably um 
the Godfather's second best gimmick, right? Well, I think by far it, it, it's a, a distant second. Um, yeah, I, but I, but I like Papa. Sh- I mean, listen, I like the Godfather. I like the whole train. I, I'm not going to lie, but a lot of people could have like done. I mean, it, you like yeah, Sure. It's the world's oldest profession, of course. I mean, if there wasn't a need, it, it wouldn't be around since the Neolithic age. Uh, and probably before that, too. Um, I, you know, a couple quick notes on Raw. Uh, I, I When AJ and Ricochet came in, I was like, imagine if this match mattered. But clearly, the only reason was to show almost learned a new move and Someone's getting ready to make a debut in the wrestling ring, so that that could be interesting. Um, but I mean, this whole show—I mean, it was sort of overshadowed. What? Yeah, there, there was a damper on it because they barely made mention of Drew McIntyre. There was Drew didn't appear on the show. He didn't cut a promo. There wasn't a statement from him. They didn't like put a tweet up. Like I was happy enough not to have him on the show, but there should have been a tweet that says. I'm furious about what happened last night. I'm going to get my title back. Don't worry, WWE Universe. You haven't seen the last of Drew McIntyre. The end. And just, you know, a tweet with the blue check mark and, and take that off. Um, you know, and then they say, we heard Drew refused to show up today, that he that he was afraid he was going to get fined or suspended. So, something like that. The end. Yeah. I just thought it was weird that there was almost no mention of the two-time world champion who, who lost the title the night before. I, I didn't really m- mind it that much because I felt if Drew was there or if they did mention Drew, then it would have taken away the shine and the spotlight from what it was supposed to rightfully be was the Bobby Lashley show. Um, see, that's- if, if you see Drew, you're only thinking, okay, what's Drew going to do to get his title back? If you put him out completely, then you're not thinking about Drew. You're just watching Smashley. See, but that that's part of part and parcel of my plan to make wrestling better and specifically WWE is that this whole, there's one person going for a title at a time thing is bad. That's not, even if it's fake, there should always be, everyone's goal should be to get some title and everyone's somewhere goal should be to get the world title. And certainly the guy who lost the championship 24 hours ago should not be silent just because a new guy wants to get the title. Um, So I'm not all I don't about think that. he's gonna get. I don't think he's gonna get silent. I think you're gonna see Drew come back as soon as probably this Monday night and sure. and lay his claim. But for one night, like I think it was okay because then you book to see Drew. Twenty four hours later, you know that he's the type of guy that's gonna say, "I want my shot. I want my rematch back." And sure. then you're in the back of your head thinking, "Well, Drew needs his rematch." Well, now, that's, that's why I proposed my compromise permit, uh, position, which is that he can say it, but you don't see it. So it's not so forefront, but at least it's not silent. I just thought that the silence was odd. I mean, if we're if it was supposed to be a real championship, a real champion would not have said nothing unless they were in a coma. Before we wrap up with WWE, let's talk about um, where you think this this is going. You know, we you you obviously we're talking about Drew still in the title picture. We're talking about Miz losing it to Lashley this coming Monday. Do you think that's the matchup for WrestleMania? 
Drew McIntyre versus Lashley for the WWE Raw, the WWE Championship? I think that would be a pretty damn cool um, main event. So, yeah, I, I think right now that's what it's looking like. Um, I think that there's a better than average chance that Drew does try to make his presence felt next week and that Sheamus lowers, lowers the boom on him again. And so Drew gets sort of try, sidetracked with that Sheamus feud. I mean, Sheamus beat Jeff Hardy, which isn't saying much. Jeff Hardy is, I think, now one and eight in his last nine matches. Though they did – I mean, he had a strong – a performance in the elimination chamber which i mean doesn't i mean it sort of makes up for the record but anyway um yeah i that's what i think is likely to happen and uh i think that keith lee is probably going to be moved down into the anti-riddle faction and hopefully there's been some buzz that that they want him in the hurt business as do i so Keith Lee as the U.S. champion, I, I don't want to see Keith Lee versus Lashley now. I want I want them to be friends. I want this to be the four horsemen, um, you know, for three or four years, you know. And if there's any dissension, the horsemen still last. They just, you know, re replace people or, you know, change members, but not the necessarily the top folks. Anyway, that's a cool uh, rumor, if it's true. Um, even if it's not true, it's a cool rumor. Um, so we'll see. But, um, yeah, that's what I said is what I think will I, happen. I, I think that there's still – it feels big, but it doesn't feel WrestleMania big to me. I think that there still needs to be one more wrestler entered no. into the mix. Well, let me, let me mention two things that, that I think maybe changes things a little bit. One, I, I forgot totally my other point from the original conversation, so audience, please forgive me. But I think one of the, the, the important things about The Miz winning was that if he didn't, this would have been about the fourth Money in the Bank briefcase holder in a row that failed to cash in. And if that happened, then it, it would devalue it for a long time. So having a successful cash in, I think, was important. And, and you know, the, the conventional wisdom, including mine, was that there's not going to be a cash in without a crowd. So it was a bit of a surprise. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I think that it was good to have a Money in the Bank winner. Um, cash in successfully um, on Drew Lashley. The difference between this WrestleMania and most others, not this past year, not 2020, is that it's two nights. So you're going to have a Saturday night main event and you're going to have a Sunday night main event. So the Sunday night main event, Edge versus Roman can still be the real headliner. Um, Drew, I don't know why. Drew, well, Drew Lashley can be the Saturday night headliner, which is really the you know, pre-intermission headline, and maybe they'll have, you know, Finn Balor defending his NXT title against, you know, Cross or Adam Cole or something on one of those cards as well, because I don't know that they'll do a separate takeover. Maybe they will. Maybe that'll be the main event Friday night. Maybe they'll do... No, from what I've heard, they want to put the NXT matches on WrestleMania to expose it to their more general audience. I think they, I think they should as well, and nobody needs three events in a row plus friday night is smackdown and they do have a contract with fox so i think fox would not want to give up a smackdown go home to wrestlemania show yeah i just to finish my point from earlier i think to make it feel like a big deal that match needs a third competitor and i think that guy needs to be brock lesnar i think brock versus lashley versus drew mcintyre feels like a big deal and that should headline one of those nights 
you could easily convince me of that. Uh, and, you know, and it's not out of the realm that it might be Sheamus, though that is a far cry from Brock Lesnar. And if the Miz still has the, the championship, well, it'll be a triple threat, which is, uh, I think, actually sort of diminishes it. But he's a name. And, you know, if they believe in the name thing and the Peacock thing, maybe that's part of it. But uh, nah, I mean, it, 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 you know, going back to this, the long term storytelling uh, thing that they're doing on Raw, like I, I give them credit because they had Bad Bunny make reference to Miz um, in a, in at one point this past Monday. So you know it's coming. You know Bad Bunny is going to cost Miz the title, and they're going to lead to WrestleMania at, to, to this proposed this uh, tag match between Bad Bunny, Damian Priest, and Miz and Morrison. I'm completely okay with that. So am I. I think that makes money, and you know Miz is a big enough guy to he can take an L from Bad Bunny. I think Damian Priest is great. I, uh, you know, I don't know much about Bad Bunny, but he seems to care. He, he shows up, you know, uh, every week. Apparently, he's training. This is fine. I mean, I, I, I accept his his fame uh, in in areas that I'm not aware of, which is fine. Also, I mean, that's that becomes more and more your life as you get older. Um, so, I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now: you should just put on some of his uh, songs. I will. Log on to the, the Apple Music and put mm -hmm. on some of his songs, and then mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, see Check. what happens. Check. Uh, yeah. Correct. Um, <laughs> I, I will absolutely not do that. Um, oh, boo. All right, let's move on to um, anything yeah. else we got to cover AEW-wise? Oh, no, sorry, WWE-wise? <laughs> the Forbidden Door is broken open again. Steve keeps kicking up. No, I, I'm I, I'm pretty much done with WWE. Uh, we can talk about um, you know NXT if you like, or we can go into uh, AW, whatever you want. You're you're driving the ship today. You're the captain. I'm the captain now. Let's talk about NXT. Let's start with the big news that closed out this past NXT, and that was Adam Cole. Uh, wanting to basically apologize for attacking Kyle O'Reilly. He wanted to apologize for, he doesn't know why he did it. And then Roderick Strong coming out and attacks Adam Cole. Then Finn Balor comes out and attacks Adam Cole, which Roddy takes offense to. And then Roddy tries to attack Finn Balor, Finn Balor, uh, attack gets gets into a skirmish with Roddy outside. Then Cole helps him take out Finn, and then they kind of try to hug it out in the middle of the ring. And then Cole, like a smart man should, I mean, listen, Cole was apologizing for what he did, and Roderick Strong is a complete selfish douchebag for not accepting this man's apology laying his heart out. I'm glad that Adam Cole decided to super kick this idiot in the face on Wednesday night. I'm glad that I tuned out of AEW to watch this. This was brilliant. A brilliant performance by Adam Cole, both in promo, in setup, everything. This guy is the star of NXT. Despite the way that you framed it, which is comedic in effort, I thought that this was played out 
perfectly fine, perfectly well. It's exactly what I expected to happen or close enough to what I expected to happen. It's close enough to what I thought should happen. And I thought it was done very well. I watch AEW Live, as you know, because I'm on Unpopular Review. I cover AEW for the NXT AEW Review Show, which follows about 25 minutes or a half hour after those shows go off the air. Um, I watched NXT today. I watched it this morning. Um, NXT was better. Um, I, I, I still feel like a lot of the people aren't all that interesting, but like anything else, the more you watch them, the more interesting they get. But they've also done some more interesting things with some of the less interesting characters, and we'll get to that shortly. But as far as this segment was concerned, no issues with it. I think it was basically exactly what should have happened. You've got Heel Cole again. The Undisputed Era is obviously in tatters. You've got Finn running around, you know, not really being particularly friendly with anyone except Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole seems to be a man on his own, which is not something that he he does frequently, but he's done it before when he when he dropped Bullet Club the first time. Uh, he, he was a man unto himself for a bit. I mean, I know that there's no privity between um, Ring of Honor and, and New Japan and, and NXT characters, but there is a little. Um, so this was good. I, I mean, I, I thought I thought this, this was good. I thought the whole show what? honestly was good. Why do you think Cole is the heel? He's the face, in my opinion. I know he's the face, in your opinion. I, I know, I know that Jesse, the body of Ventura. Listen, uh, this guy. Uh, what did he do? He's got a brand to upkeep, right? In the undisputed era, and Kyle O'Reilly is a nincompoop, and he's always getting himself injured. So, listen, Cole gets upset, and he knocks him out, and he takes him out of the, the crew. Roddy doesn't know who pays the bills at a, a, a undisputed era and decides to man up to the wrong guy. And he gets booted out too. It was crystal clear to me that the undisputed era is not fading away. It's just time to reorganize the team because we've got a lot of ingrates on the team. So Adam Cole is probably looking for some new hands. So, if you have any open resumes, you know, please apply. What rhymes Bobby with Fish? Hand? What rhymes that? with the hand? The brand rhymes with the hand. Hmm. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. I I thought that Adam Cole's position that that Kyle O'Reilly got opportunity after opportunity and kept failing was a good line. I, I mean, that was a very telling line. I, I think if True. you want to, if you want to keep this faux debate going on, I think Roderick did accept his apology and was really hugging it out and was sincere and that he loves uh, Adam Cole and they're going to make things right. Um, but I know that you were just doing that for a fact that I, you know, I, I I'm not going to debate about a, a segment that, that I think we both thought was done well and done right. And is an interesting wrestling story which can go in a bunch of directions with a bunch of different match combinations and can easily be a story where where things don't get old i make it go for three quarters of a year and then and still have permutations agree there's also one other thing that i want to talk about and that's something you mentioned too about was nxt was the better wrestling show and I want to get to this now because as I was watching AEW this week, 
I I go into AEW and I want to really like it. I want to I want the exuberance that everybody else sees. But it's that same exuberance that sets my expectations at a high level and when I watch AEW it does not deliver. And I only bring this up in the NXT portion because again NXT was beat by AEW in the ratings. But the stark difference to me is all the AEW fanboys like to preach that AEW is a better wrestling show, a better wrestling brand, when in fact, if you really do care about the wrestling itself, you'd watch NXT. That Cross and Escobar match was a great great match. It was way better than Archer versus Ray Phoenix. You, We could have this same discussion every single week. WWE has lost so much goodwill with the hardcore fan base. You want to call them the IWC. You want to call them the hardcore fan base. That's why any alternative is going to get a huge embrace. There are people out there who still think that NWA is the bomb, even though NWA hasn't put out any new content since the early fall. Uh, there are I agree. It is a right bomb. Now, an abomination. There, <laughs> there are people right now who are telling me that Ring of Honor needs to hire Thea Trinidad and, and a bunch of other women wrestlers that I've never heard of so that they can have the best women's division on the planet. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, I, if you think that Ring of Honor is the best wrestling on the planet, you truly believe that, good. I'm glad that you enjoy it. But how can you say that and say that you want to build the women's division basically from the people that WWE, NXT, AEW, and Impact have all passed on? I mean, you're you're basically, it's the scrap heap. So you're going to try and put, you're going to put on a product which is inferior on what's the best product. Just just drop it. Just, just stop and just, and just focus on the men's wrestling. I mean, it was a men's sport for a million years. It's only a one-hour show per week. Why would you want to put on subpar on the best wrestling show on the planet if you believe that? And nobody has an answer for that. Um, and I'm not even saying the Thea Trinidad is is great or not great. I don't know. I mean, Tessa Blanchard's out there. She's great, but she's sort of radioactive. But I mean, you can't build a division around two women. They're, they, you know, they maybe they could find. Nicole Savoy, and you you have a, a really solid third person, but That's, after that, uh, what, Jeff, Allison Kay? Jeff, you can't uh, make the world's best women's wrestling division without the key players in WWE. You can't have it without a Becky Lynch, a Sasha Banks, a Charlotte, a Bailey, an Asuka, a Rhea Ripley. Not, but you could put yeah. together... If you took the the four best women from AEW and you took the four best women from Impact and then the four best women who were, you know, in other places and you had 12, you know, you know, great, you know, good women, you could have a pretty good division that, that, that that's at least interesting. Anyway, I don't even know why we're talking about a, a women's division, which is in Ring of Honor. It's it's. Even the My NXT part. women's division is way better uh, than no, NXT, all the other no, women's divisions. It's no, ridiculous. NXT women's division is awesome, and they keep reloading. No, I, I think that the thing is that W, where I got myself sidetracked is WWE has lost so much goodwill that anything they do is is has that taint, 
and any alternative is going to be given the the looked at in the light most favorable to it for as long as it takes. We've already established that wrestling fans are like Groundhog Day. They're very forgiving. They they forget a lot. They all hate Vince. They think he's the worst guy in the world. He treats everyone like shit. I mean, and the fact that he pays ten times more doesn't doesn't count for anything. Um, but yeah, NXT. This was a solid wrestling show from top to bottom. The wrestling is good. They're starting to get more interesting characters. The stories mm-hmm. make sense. They do. They do some long-term storytelling. They do some short-term. They they have a memory, like when Alexander Wolf ran into Killian Dane and said, "What's happened to you? You what is this? You used to be a monster." That was great. I don't care one bit about Killian Dane. I never had for a second until then. That's all it took. Now I'm interested. Now I'm invested. Now I want to see Imperium against Dane and Maverick for when eventually Drake Maverick is crying again. Because he's beaten up by his only friend. And then, uh, you know, inevitably he's going to get some other rescue from, I don't know, maybe, you know, Ridge Holland comes back and he's, he's, he's teamed with Rick Steiner's son or Scott Steiner's son, whichever one, and Parker Boudreaux. And the, you know, that that's his new backup who, who knows, whatever. But the, uh, that that's just what it is. But Triple H said a long time ago, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, it, you know, maybe he was telling the truth. Maybe he sort of knew this was going to happen. AEW is great at having gimmicks. And they're and they are, they're not afraid to have gimmick after gimmick after gimmick. And their fans don't care. I mean, the rankings don't mean anything. They just announced a battle, a casino battle royal, tag team battle royal for, I guess, yet again, another number one contendership for the the tag team titles, which they just had a tag team battle royal for the number one contender. It doesn't matter. None, none of that. None of that matters. It's, it's all good. It's all great. Everyone's getting a chance. Everyone's getting opportunity. Uh, you know, meanwhile, it's still young bucks. I, I, I don't know what, you know, and Jericho and MJF are the number one contenders, young Jericho, but you know, it, and it's not that that's all bad either. It, it's just that, the, you know, the, the things that they say, they don't stand behind. Um, but they deliver on just enough of it. I mean, that this this face of the revolution ladder match, which started with three people, now it's got four, then there's going to be another qualifying match, and then Tony Khan said something about there's going to be a mystery entrant. I don't know if that's the fifth entrant or if that's a sixth entrant. So everyone's a buzz. It's CM Punk. Is it Ryback? I think it's just going to be Sammy Guevara. Maybe it's Sean Spears coming back. Hopefully it's not another Matt Seidel situation. I mean... But you know, is it Kenta? Is it is it Okada? I mean, all of the stuff oh, is. Please, they're not putting there. Okada in there. <laughs> of course not. But this is what they do well, and this is what the fans give them. So if it's not any of that, but it's Juice Robinson, that'll be close enough. David Finley. It's gonna be his brother. Up. It's gonna be his brother. If it's Fit Finley, it'll be close enough. I mean, <laughs> it, it it doesn't matter. It's all everything's kicking open doors. You know, maybe it'll be Rich Swan. Maybe it'll be Moose. Oh my God! Everything is everything's exposed. You know oh, the, the forbidden door. Qcon number two. Moose defeats Rich Swan to unify the TNA and the Impact titles, and Moose defeats Kenny Omega at the next Impact, and Moose is the unified world champion. Oh, that man, I could get behind. That. It's not happening, but that I could get. That that would interest me. That would get me all in. And That's I and cool. I've been enjoying. Kenny Omega's heel work for the most part. I do. Anyway. I, I, I love what he does. 
I just, especially with uh, that nincompoop Moxley that he's always uh, one <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get to Moxley soon. Let, let's let's get through NXT and, and just cover it, and then we can happily move Go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. You take it from here. You uh, you've got something on Cameron Grimes. My favorite. Well, I, I do have something on Cameron Grimes. But first, I just want to say that I, I think that this whole thing with Austin Theory and indie wrestling both being sort of smitten and having one having a crush on the other one, having sort of Stockholm syndrome on Dexter Loomis is great. <laughs> Sending Austin Theory it to is. therapy is going to be hysterical. I mean, Austin Theory is sort of like this good natured doddard who fell in with the wrong crowd. <laughs> and it's, it's the best thing that's happened to him. Uh, and, you know, Stockholm syndrome, Wade Barrett said it, Johnny Gargano said it on the air. I mean, everyone's like, he, the character Austin Theory wouldn't know what Stockholm Syndrome is. I like that MSK was attacked by the grizzled young veterans and they're injured. So, you know, that that's a that's an old school wrestling story right there. I like that, that Malcolm Bivens is sort of the training room stalker, you know, conveniently trying to pick low-hanging fruit. It hasn't worked out yet. Even in this case, it didn't really work out. Be a swerve beat up Leon Ruff, but fine. It, it's still sort of funny, and Bivens gave a pretty good uh, promo. Tyler Rust looks like Adam Cole if he was a man, so that's good. Um, Zoe Starks was given another high-profile match. She lost, and then Tony Storm did her, her promo. The important thing here is that uh, EO and Tony Storm are going to have a women's title match, but it's in two weeks, not next week. So it's not competing with the third. It's going to be on the 10th. So I don't know if they're hedging their bets or, or they're trying to choreograph a fabulous match or they're, you know, they're really only sort of trying to compete. They don't want to make it look like they're, they're constructing a super show to go against AEW super show. I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I think that's going to be a, a great match for TV. Zoe Starks is doing what she should do. She's, she's the tough out. You know, it's not, she's, she's brand new. She's part of the new class. Um, yeah. The whole thing was Ziya Everyone knows I love it. I love the display with the fan. The whole thing was great. Yeah. K and K dance factory and Katie Caranzaro or Katanzaro got too much offense in, but she was ultimately injured and murdered, which is what we all needed. I do have a question because it still says Tian Shah. On, on the screen. And I, and I believe that Tian Sha was the princess who became the, the demon queen. But all of a sudden they referred to her several times. And, and, and you heard me last night. I thought it was Mia Yim. And you were like, it's not Mia Yim. I'm like, well, it's something like that. <laughs> you were right. And I was right. It is something like that. I, I, I watched NXT today. I only saw, I only caught it during some commercials last night. It's Mei Ying. I'm not sure how they're spelling it, but it's Mei Ying. Um, so it's not May Young, but, but anyway, so that woman now has a name that's not Tian Sha. So Tian Sha, I guess, is the faction or the dragon. I I, I don't know, but I'm, uh, that was a little bit confusing. I'm still invested. So Jeff, yeah. you know, I, I uh, sorry to interrupt, but I can't help myself here. I know that you like to write a lot. You write these ROH reviews. You write the uh, a, a lot of. Uh, you, what you think is fantasy booking. I would really enjoy you writing on the Hammerlock Hangover Facebook page some fan fiction of all of the backstory for Zia Lee and Tian Shaw. Like, I, th I think that's what's needed. 
I, I have to check the community rules to see what I can do there. <laughs> the community it, rules. It may be a little bit like that scene in, in uh, Kill Bill. Oh, oh my God, I would love it. If, if you if you like actually like have different characters from, let's say, a former wrestling group mm-hmm. that are um, <laughs> enemies of yours, and then like you g- give them pseudo names, and enemies. then Please. and then have Zaylee and her team of assassins take them all out. Oh, first of all, I, I don't Great. have any enemies Chef that I know it. of. None, none of those jabronis are important enough to be my enemies. There are people I don't like, and I'm happy enough to let them know that. Um, but enemies, <laughs> please, they're not, they're not important enough. Um, so Cameron Grimes is doing this a fool in his money will soon part kind of thing because obviously he has no understanding of money. He's doing the Ted DiBiase bounce a basketball thing, count to 10, I'm going to give you, well, now $1,000 because of inflation, but he keeps getting it wrong. Um, and, you know, the first time he just doesn't understand the gimmick, the next time he, he picked the, the the woman from the Performance Center who's a former WNBA player um, who, when he tries to kick it from her, she she does the the crossover. She does like a double crossover yes. and, and gets it. Um so the bumpkin will quickly blow through his money. So here is the surprise. It's no accent that he keeps talking about Ted DiBiase. So QAcon fantasy booking crazy conspiracy number two of the show, or numero dos, as Evil Dose likes to say. Mike Rotunda, IRS, makes an appearance as IRS and audits Cameron Grimes. Oh, no. <laughs> Yes, Cameron Grimes, the taxes were, were, were not withheld. He didn't know he had to pay taxes. He didn't know that he had to pay taxes on his Lamborghini. I don't got that kind of money. Where do you think that I have enough cheese to be on the moon? No, I'm Cameron Grimes. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Now I'm going to have to get in some high-fighting prize money fights. Whatever it is. So, yes, IRS is absolutely auditing Cameron Grimes, who has not been paying any taxes. This is coming. Book it. Oh, my God. I love it. I'm there right. for it. All right. I already talked about Grizzled Young Veterans with with uh, Dane and Maverick. Grizzled Young Veterans won in case there was ever any doubt. Um, Cross, you already talked about the, the street fight. I actually thought this was really good, too, except when Cross dropped the pickaxe and he knows it's three against one. I mean, that was sting levels of stupid. You, you keep the pickaxe. I mean, not just not not because you're t- you're not tough enough that you need it, but because there's three guys and one of them could pick it up and like high ho into your kidneys pretty easily. So that that was that was sting levels of stupid. At least you know throw it like a discus as far as you you can. And it would have been funny if like he threw it and they showed the camera and it landed right through the windshield of the limo that uh, Legato came in. Um, but. You know, this was a hard-fought match. Uh, you almost believe that Cross could could take out these three guys. There were some pretty cool scenes where he would, like, you know, threw them through the plate glass windows or the, the plexiglass throughout the CWC arena. Th- that was really it for, for NXT. I mean, I thought it was a good show, a solid show. And, really good show. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there was anything particularly noteworthy except for the, the, the Cole stuff, but I thought it was an enjoyable show. Obviously, we're going to see Caden uh, Carter – Next against Zia Lee, who I guess will have to put on a fairly good show, but inevitably will be 
uh, murdered again. Hopefully all these people come back as undead uh, zombies um, in, in the uh, Chinese uh, spirit tradition. I don't think that's happening. But I, I, I like, I like, uh, listen, I like the fantasy booking idea. This fan fiction, you should uh, get into it. I know you do. Right, this is your idea. <laughs> absolutely. That's why it's such a great idea. Okay. Let's talk about AEW. Let's uh, just jump right in there. And let's talk about the biggest news of the week yeah. regarding AEW. And that is the signing of the Goliath the biggest, the the biggest event. free agent on the market that we didn't even know was, a free was, agent. The, was the biggest free agent on the market. And that's the big show, or should I say Paul White, formerly known as the big show. He signed for AEW. What were your initial impressions on hearing this news and this signing? I mean, I was surprised because like you, I just assumed he was on a Legends contract. Um, you know, we, we saw him not too recently on Raw, though I don't blame him for the way that that, that he was treated with Randy Orton. It, it was it was stupid. But that whole that whole segment was stupid. I remember ranting about it, how all of the Legends were, all of them happened to be alone, even though they know Randy Orton was trying to kill him. Like, why wouldn't they all like be together and like form a circle around him and push him back and forth? Anyway. Um, I was surprised, like everyone else was, but I don't care. I mean, he's he, you know, he's not really an active wrestler anymore. He's younger than Sting, but he's much larger than Sting. I mean, it, it was I think Bill Russell who said, "There's you don't see a lot of old giants." Um, he's got to be what forty eight or forty nine at this point. Um, he has a personality, but I, I don't know that I've ever heard him on commentary, so I don't know what he adds to commentary. But even sitting down on commentary, he, he's going to dwarf people like Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, which I, I know in AEW world doesn't matter. But I think for a casual person looking at the screen, that does matter when the commentary guy is 17 times bigger than, than the main eventer. Um, I mean, I've always said AEW is like WCW and fast forward, so... Why not? I mean, at this point, I mean, the good news is you, you can bring in Hall, Nash, X-Pac. You can bring in Virgil and DiBiase and Hogan, and, and you've got the whole NWO is available. You can even bring in Bischoff. Just uh, bring the band back together. There they are. You got Very Billy Young nice. there also. So, hey, just look, bring back the NWO. Big Papa Pump, uh, you know, had open heart surgery, but I'm sure he's available as well. <laughs> you know, I... I, at first, I thought this news was like, I mean, it wasn't really shocking. I was just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I think it makes good sense if they use him for what I think is his biggest value, and that is with helping book bigger talent. <laughs> like, the way that AEW books big guys is atrocious. Lance Archer is a big guy, booked horribly. Before his untimely demise, Brody Lee was booked as a laughing stock, right? But after he, he loses part, part, part yes, part now. So, you know, you have these big guys, Brian Cage, Wardlow. He's not um, there to book. He's he's not there but, to book. 
But he needs to be, though, uh, Jeff. Like, who else is going to tell these guys uh, how to work like big men? Cody Rhodes? Goldust? Who's going to tell them? This guy did more turns than a, than a ballet dancer. What do you, he doesn't know how to book anything. He just did what he was told. Listen, I, I don't know. I'm sure the big show is is a that Paul White is a smart man. I'm sure that he has things to add. This isn't why he's brought in. He's brought in at this time to salvage this debacle that might be Cody and Red Velvet against Shaq and Jade Cargill. I have an unconfirmed rumor that I heard from one source. I'm not going to say his or her name because I'm not sure if they were being facetious or or if they meant to say that he's going to, but I don't think so. I think that he was being serious, and I don't think that he was saying in a in a hypothetical way. It was said that Cody either has a torn rotator cuff or had a torn ro- rotator cuff, and there's no way he can do this thing with Shaq. And enter Paul White. Oh. I mean, who – was supposed to have a match with Shaq uh, about a decade ago, and it never happened. Uh, Everyone thinks this is going to be a debacle. This is his first night. He's not supposed to be on Dynamite. He's supposed to be on Elevation, whatever that's going to be. They say it's not the second TNT show. They say it's not replacing Dark, so what is it? I don't know. But whatever it is, that's where he's supposed to be, but he's on Dynamite the night of the Shaq match. I'll tell you what it is. It's the lead-in to Monday Night Raw. (laughs) Well... Before we get too much into AEW, we should talk about the lead into Monday Night Raw this week, which was the AEW's Women Tournament again, uh, which had three matches, um, which were, no, I'm sorry, four matches, two of which were in Japan. So last week I watched all four of the matches and all four were terrible. I mean, they were they were like wrestling cosplay. I don't mean to to steal Jim Cornette's words, but it, he, he was 100% right. This week, Yuka uh, Sakazaki faced Emi Sakura. This was actually an okay match. This match was fine. This was a good, This I wouldn't call it a great match, but this was a good match. Maybe it's because Emi Sakura wrestled, knows the American style more. She spent some time with AEW. She had like her assistants there who were sort of helping her out. But but Yuka ended up winning. She's Her gimmick is the magical girl. So this match wasn't bad. Then there was Aja Kong versus Ryo Mizunami, who Aja Kong is like sort of the big old hoss. Yeah. Ryo Mizunami is the one who beat Maki Ito, the, the baby doll character, and, and Ryo is supposed to be sort of like the, the powerhouse who doesn't really look like a powerhouse. Anyway, this was awful. This was slow, cumbersome. It looked like cosplay again. Ryo won, so it's going to be Ryo against Yuka uh, Sakazahi. Uh, I'm sure, or Sakazahi. I'm sure I'm pronouncing those wrong. The other two matches were uh, from the U.S. side. It was Taikanti versus Nyla Rose. This was pretty good. Taya Conte was, was this was the best I've seen Taya Conte, except at some point she was they were really playing up that she was getting frustrated and she was like making the Lana, I don't know what to do, crying face too much. Aside from that, though, this was pretty good. No Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose's corner, but Nyla Rose picked up the win, obviously, because she was on last night. Uh, Britt Baker fought was supposed to fight Anna Jay, who got a real injury and she's out six to 12 months. So now we're at you know, Shana out for was out for a year. Now she's back. Chris Statlander got out. Now she's still out. Britt uh, Brit Baker's had a couple of injuries. Obviously, she's back now. Anna Jay, and she's replaced with Ivelisse. No, Diamante. No, Big Swole. No, Nicole Savoy. No, someone famous outside. Allison Kay. No, Thea uh, Trinidad. Thea Trinidad. No, uh, Tia Punk. Cat. 
No. Jade Cargill? No. Anyone you've ever seen, even even in the crowd, Danny Jordan? No. Uh, you know, no. Someone Can named Addy Renkowski, who I don't believe has been on any AEW show before, but certainly not Dynamite. The story was is, is that she's trained by Thunder Rosa, so she was there to sort of get, you know, fight for Thunder Rosa. Anyway, it wasn't a terrible match, but it's just silly that someone that we've never seen before was in a number one contender match. Um, anyway, Britt won, and so we've got uh, Britt versus Nyla, which we saw last night, and uh, we're going to get uh, Yuko versus Rio. Um, I'm not exactly sure when that's going to air. Um, that's one of the things they were promoting this week, but they were promoting so many things that I was confused what network it's going to be on and what it's going to be a lead into and, and what. But, yeah, the big show, that's why I think another QAcon uh, take, QAcon take number three, the big show, uh, um, Paul White, the gigantic gig, the enormous event is there to uh, cover for Cody and and salvage this Shaq thing, maybe leading to another Shaq big show event, which actually, if that's the goal on AEW's part, that's probably fairly smart. What do you think is the end game here? What's what's the payoff? Is it getting Jade Cargill over, or is it getting the Big Show over, or is it getting Shaq over? <laughs> Somehow it's to get a Cody over. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know who it's not going to get over, and that's Red Velvet. I mean, that's for sure. Shaq, there's no way Shaq can look bad in this. He it, it, he just can't. Even if he loses, there's no way he can look bad. It, it's got to be that they're doing a wrestling match and, and the Big Show gets up and gives him one of his, you know, hard punches or whatever his version of the, the Big Fist is, you know, to to his melon or something. Um, I don't know if the end game is to get Jade Cargill over. We've talked about this many times. I hope so. I hope that she's functional in the ring that can just do a few moves and i hope that she's protected because there's a lot of potential around a woman that looks like that um you yeah. can you can build the division around that even if she's not a great wrestler she can be a goldberg a kevin nash a sid you know uh yes a just giant. a dominant powerhouse like yeah I, if i think it's money well spent even if you just see jade spear the big show that's it but I, I agree. are we going to that would be great? Or Jay turn on Shaq and spear him? That and that and then everybody wins. Uh, she goes heel, he goes away, and that that's an excuse for the win. By the women, the, the by the way, the women's tournament on on YouTube went down to two hundred and ten thousand uh, viewers. Not terrible, but it was two fifty seven this time last week. So uh, on pace was down by you know roughly. 25 you know 20 percent from the week hey prior. since we're on this topic let's talk about this nyla rose versus Britt baker match like this i know you and i have a differing opinion on this but i couldn't help but watch this and i watched it and i was like i'm gonna have an open mind i really want to see you know last time nyla was in the room the ring with Britt baker she injured Britt, and she was her own tag partner like I was impressed with Nyla's ring gear heading to the ring. I th thought that her entrance made her feel like a big deal. That was good. Um, Britt is much improved in the ring. Mm -hmm. What I don't understand in this match is you have things that just happen and then there's no, it makes no sense. Like you, you got Britt working a shoulder 
on Nyla. Makes perfect sense. If the finish is going to be, I put her in the cross face, lock jaw, whatever she calls that finishing move. And this helped me get this beast into the maneuver. Okay. But, 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 let's but talk about this. I, I know where you're going with this. And they're not the only ones who did it because for three weeks, including the elimination chamber, Daniel Bryan went out of his way to tease that he had a left knee injury. And did Roman take him out with the left knee? No, he took him out with a, a spear and then the guillotine. So this kind of thing happens all the time where the wrestlers just, they think they're communicating with each other and they're not. And by the way, Britt has improved. I mean, I I was one of the first. Uh, people hated Britt Baker. But as soon as I saw that first Jericho Cruz promo and I was like, she's drunk, she's being mean, she's making fun of Tony, yeah. Tony for working at Starbucks. The guy was just trying to make a living. She's terrible. I'm like... That was amazing. And then the next week it was the same thing again. And it was even more amazing. And then everyone got on that bandwagon too. Well, once again, a Clydesdale. Um, I, I agree. But it does make sense. And I'll tell you why. First of all, Vicky Guerrero was not there again. So I'm not sure that we're not going to see a Nyla Rose face turn. But the reason it makes sense. Oh, for fucking what, Jeff? What? what I don't for know. For what reason? Who knows? Because the, they need it. I, I don't know. I'm not even sure if it's correct. Maybe Vicky, you know, is selling her excuse me sleeping masks or something. But hashtag fire Vicky <laughs> because she's pretty useless as a manager. The most success Nyla's had is, is without her. But my point being is the thing that makes sense about it is that Britt Baker is going to cost Thunder Rosa her next match because that's the feud. The feud is Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. That's, that is the story. So now we're going to have Nyla against Riho, which is a rematch of sorts. And then Sheeta is going to take on, you know, probably either Riho and Nyla, Nyla, which are both also rematches, unless it's going to be, I mean, I can't imagine it's the Rio Mizunami. I would think it's the Yuka Sakazaki. I'm not sure. Sakazaki. Whatever it is, n neither one of those ladies is going into the finals. Watch me be wrong. But... Um, <laughs> I mean, I think. Oh my that... God. I, I just don't give a shit about any of this. The real reason that they should, they just should have fucking put Brit over here. You know, I just don't get it. Like, why? I don't, nobody wants to see fucking Nyla versus Riho again. I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to fucking see. The, uh, you know what? If you want to get to Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, you can do it with the fucking title. Why don't make a title for title match? You want to talk about this fucking forbidden door so much? All right, here you got a fucking match. But well, they Thunder can't Rosa doesn't do this have right. a title. Thunder Rose is the former NWA champion. And she's they on give the it back to her. I don't fucking know, Jeff. Listen, at least that makes more sense than what the fuck they're booking here. Let, you got let, this fucking let me woman. tell you why it makes sense, okay? Because Thunder Rose's contract will expire at some point this year. And yes, it's... AW obviously has the inside track because she's been working for them. She knows the people. They obviously like her. And they use her Mission Pro wrestlers and the people from her school uh, as extras, and they give them shots on TV, which means paydays for them. That doesn't mean the WWE doesn't make her an offer that she can't refuse, so they're not going to give her a title until she's under their contract. This is a feud that they can market around. Um but going back to the Paul White thing, one thing that they that they made abundantly clear is that Tony Schiavone said, Paul White has a wrestling license in AEW. 
which is ridiculous. There's no such thing as a wrestling license. Secondly, if you have a wrestling license, it's from a state, not a company. So, um, but anyway, I mean, you know, Q, if we, if this was visual, we could do our shock faces now, like the, the kid from home alone. Uh, of course he has his wrestling license. I mean, so commentary please, but listen, I thought this was a pretty good match. I don't mind the ending. I respect your opinion. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm just oh. explaining to you the wrestling reason why it's going this way. Yes, it could be done the other way. Yes, they could they could take a risk with Thunder Rose. If she says she's not going to resign, then they take the belt off of her. It, it, it's fine. She'd do the job. She's a professional. Um, I don't know. It 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 looked like massive miscommunication in the ring between Britt and Nyla. You had a spot. Sorry, I'm going to keep fucking shitting on this match. You had a spot where Britt exposes the turnbuckle, and then Nyla runs her face right into it. And then Britt puts her finishing move on. And for what? For Nyla to just rip right out of the goddamn finishing move. Where's the respect? Like, you knocked into the exposed turnbuckle. That fucking is knocked out legendary wrestlers. I don't give a fuck how big Nyla Rose is. Well. Fucking respect the goddamn history of the goddamn move. She she fucking no-sells three super kicks in a row. Granted, fucking uh, Britt Baker's like half her goddamn size, probably even three times less than what uh, Nyla is booked weight-wise. But I guarantee you, if I watch that fucking match next week, Jeff, and I see Riho hit her with one super kick and she sells that shit to the moon, I'm going to fucking throw something at my TV. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, it's your TV. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I've said my piece. I, I really don't think that many people on our audience want to hear a 20 minute segment on the, the ones, one women's match. Uh, Let me a- tell you another thing. <laughs> <laughs> and another point. Um, but there's a lot more in AEW that, that we're going to talk about. So I, I, I think we should start at the start, which is starting with your favorite when John Moxley comes to the oh, ring and oh. he's facing the Hollywood hunk, Ryan N- Nemeth. We actually actually spend time on a 10 second recorded promo from Ryan Nemeth. Why? That was 10 <laughs> seconds of waste of time. Um, you know, you, you can take it from here with the quasi squash, but I, I, I want to start with the promo, but you can finish. I, I just have you know, a they, very short portion on the promo. They could have filled in that, uh, that Ryan Nemeth time with a birthday cake for uh, evil junior or uh, whatever his name is. Negative one. I'm going to, I'm right. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's, well, Cody's on, on this Negative show, three. I, on this show, his name is Evil Jr. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Listen, it's a John Moxley match. You know, uh, some buffoonery happens. He's in the ring. It's 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 a joke. He's a joke. The, the I hate match him. didn't matter. The promo was was the point. The match was just to get us to the promo. The what the promo should have been was this. Listen, guys, I know everybody was uh, bullshitting about. Why did Kenny Omega come up with this stipulation? Well, let me tell you why. I really don't want to go back home to uh, a crying baby and Renee Young being all pregnant and shit. So I want to be uh, blown up to smithereens so I can go back to my uh, hut in Nicaragua and live casually there for the next three to six months until this baby can change its own fucking diapers because I'm not doing fatherly duties. That's what should have been the goddamn Babies change their own diapers. You have That's very right. sophisticated babies. 
Um, he really it's not, it's not my babies, but I'm telling you, that's the logic. That's the mental logic. Breaking news, your kids are your kids? Of the No, I'm saying that I'm speaking in the words of the nincompoop John Moxley. Oh, he, he really did make it sound like this match is like walking through a minefield, like things are going to be exploding left and right. Um, I, I, can, I can only hope he explodes. His promo sounded like a retirement promo. It was like, I'm addicted <laughs> to the flame, like a moth to a flame, I can't avoid it. He basically became Thomas Hobbes from the Leviathan. <laughs> he basically said, life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. I mean, that was basically his promo. And then JR says, what a powerful promo by the champion. Uh, I mean, former champion. Okay, JR, way <laughs> to spoil the main event. Nice nice going there, you dumbass. Oh, my God. Oh, please. You'd think that they're really fucking giving JR the fucking heads up. Hey, Moxley's going over. That's bullshit. Yes. I, I think, I think that he probably writes the shit. I don't believe that shit. No. His goddamn loose lips? I don't believe it. Well, maybe not now. I'm surprised he was still there after calling Omega the WWE champion last week, and but now he's spoiled the main event. I mean, okay. it could have been a slip of the tongue, but I prefer Qacon number four. <laughs> he is that that he spoiled the main event because he's a dumbass. I don't. A, dumb, I don't a dumbass know. due to his advanced age and because he only has to work once a week, and he's not really that invested. Not that he's actually a dumbass. He's a legend. He's Jr. We all. Worshipped what he did for for twenty twenty five years. Oh, and when you say dumbass, I thought you were talking about the mid south and things like that. When you're talking about dumbasses, I thought you were talking about Moxley. <laughs> well, it, sort of. Uh, it, <laughs> just it just Moxley. It sounded like a like his retirement promo. It's probably because he you know epitomizes uh, Terry Funk and wants to give one of his uh, umpteenth uh, retirement. This might be my last match, but I'm gonna go out uh, in a blaze of glory. All right, shut up, Moxley. I want to talk for a moment about not the main event itself, but the purpose of the main event was to see whether Archer or Phoenix would make it into this face of the revolution ladder match which I believe is at Revolution. I'm not even 100% on that. I'm, I'm like 98%. And the winner of it will face Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. I don't think later that night at some other date in the future. So already announced without needing to qualify is Cody Rhodes, of course. Scorpio Sky, who they remembered they had. I guess he's probably got now a 27 and one record with all 27 wins being on dark. Penta Zero Medio, who last time we saw him, was beaten up by the Good Brothers, choked out, um, beaten up by by uh, a dope drip Kenny Omega and Don Callis, and then had visa problems. Um, we are told there's going to be the winner of this match, so number four. We are told there's going to be another qualifying match next week, not who's in it, and then Tony Khan, there'll be a surprise entrant. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to be one of the, the the people in the qualifying, the next qualifying match for number five, or if there's going to be a sixth. So, you know, QAcon number five or six, whatever we're up to, is who do you Please think the surprise entrance is going to be? So, I, you know, you could go with the New Japan guy. Is it going to be Kenta again? Is it going to be a Okada or Tanahashi? Woo! Is it going to be someone that's in the States like Juice or David Finley? Is it just going to be like another Matt Seidel moment? Is this going to be Sean Spears' return? Is this going to be Sammy Guevara's return? Or is it just going to be like another Matt Seidel where it's, it, it's some guy, it's going to be like, 
Eric Redbeard, you know, that they picked up and said, you know, come work for us. And, you know, because we're totally not hiring every former WWE guy. And you looked really sad at the Brody Lee show. I'm going to give you a scoop right now. It's yeah. going to be Tully Blanchard. Ooh, that's a good scoop. I, understand. I know. I see you. By the way, do you miss, now that I mentioned Sean Spears, how do you feel? Do you feel misty? Nostalgic? Who? Oh. It's disappointing. Um, I don't all know. Right. You keep mentioning this name. I don't know this guy. I, I don't I, know her. Okay. So we're told that Sting wants payback, and that's going to be very important very shortly, folks. Let's re- we then want see, yes. We, we then, because we need to tol- be told they needs payback because – you know, that, that's not all that's been happening for the last several weeks where he, he's going to call him out. He wants payback. He's doing this. He's doing that. He never actually does anything, but but he's going to do this, that, and the other thing. Then we see the Young Bucks with their parents, who apparently have never seen the Young Bucks <laughs> at work great. before. Um, and they, you know, they're, they're at the back of a tractor trailer where the, you know, the doors are closed. And on one side of the door, the left door, Nick Jackson is painted and on the right side, Matt Jackson, and they're so proud and they take a photo. Mom takes a photo with skinny Steven Seagal slash Papa Buck and, and the box. And they're, they're so proud. And uh, I mean, come on. They're, they're, they're you don't think that he looked proud. like, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but you don't, you don't think that he looked like Robert Gibson. Uh, you know what? I could see that also, but I'm going to stick with skinny Steven Seagal. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've never seen—I've never seen Robert Gibson wear that kind of shirt, and I—and I have seen Steven Seagal wear wear those shirts. Copy that. So, everyone, I need you to buckle in, because now we have Team Taz. Pun, in, pun, pun intended. Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna hit G seven now. We're, we're, we're your your body is gonna weigh like lead after this takeoff. <laughs> so, Team Taz coming out to face the Varsity Blondes. Starks and Cage flanked by Taz, and there's Hobbs, and there's Hook. No, 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 no Hobbs and Hook. So Team Taz minus two people. But don't worry, because Taz takes a defensive position, and he's there, and he's ready for anything. No, he's not. He sits his ass down at commentary, which is obviously has worked for him so well in the past. Anyway, match, match, match. You know, a lot of offense from the Varsity Blondes, but, uh, you know, uh, Cage hits whatever he calls it, his uh, a spike for a win, and, and that that's all great. Um, but Taz on commentary talks about how his crew is always ready for action. Come on, Sting. He's ready for action while he's at commentary. We don't know where Hook or Hobbs are. He doesn't say their position. My guys are always ready. Sting, come and get us. <laughs> Scavani, uh, Skiavone reminds him about 32 times of that. Then the lights go out. Frozen in fear, nothing, ha- no, no movement. So apparently they're paralyzed again. This old timey movie goes up on the screen, you know, sort of with like, we're like a silent movie where the film sort of cuts and juts a little bit, and it's it's I someone driving a car with Sting's insignia on the glove. So the inference is that Sting is driving the vehicle, and it's dragging a body bag through the desert. They stop. The body bag opens. Darby Allen comes out with his title, puts a smile on his face, so he's a okay. So we know he's okay. I guess they, they, broke him out and they filmed it. This is a fucking uh, ridiculous goddamn vignette that they put up there. Is this supposed to mean that like Darby's cool? Like, why does he have uh, his mentor dra- dragging him 
in a body bag in the desert. Yeah, is there, that- is, uh, there is absolutely no mention of how they, they got him out, how Sting found out where he was. There was a mention that commentary that what Team Taz did was a crime, uh, you know, so nothing addressed there. So obviously there was a, an escape that was stylishly filmed and no explanation to follow. So that was dumb. But whatever, fine. I'm going to I'm gonna let that one go because what happens next? Sting's music comes on and the snow. And, of course, Team Taz again completely paralyzed, can't do anything. Taz still a commentary. Sting comes in dragging a body bag, opens it up. Is it Darby? Is it Darby? No. It's Hook. So they're ready for anything, but Hook got beaten up by a 61-year-old man and stuffed into a body bag. And what happened to Hobbs? Did he protect him? Did he take him out? No, he's not He's not even there. So they're ready for anything, but 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 they lost one guy. And the one they put on, on guard duty is a 20-year-old kid. So that that's wonderful. So then they, you know, but it's still three on one, even though Taz has a move from commentary and Sting is dragging a body bag. So he's, you know, not exactly armed. One of his hands is busy, uh, you know. Um, so then we see a, Sting points to the, the rafters. Darby, oh. there's a spotlight. Darby zip lines in fairly slowly with a skateboard. He has to unhook himself. And just I, like I, the I, I, I like how you say this fairly slowly. Hold on, let me jump jump in because this is my biggest gripe with this fucking uh, segment. This guy, it's not like Shawn Michaels zip lining down and like taking twenty minutes. Like it's about the same amount of time with a with three quarters less the distance. Like you see him coming. It's crystal clear he's coming to the ring, mm-hmm. and these guys are paralyzed. Like, oh, no, what are we going to do now, boss? Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How does that, how do they not just jump him right then and there? Like, yes. he's he's with the with the skateboard, and they're just going to watch themselves get their ass kicked with by, by this skinny noodle on a skateboard. Ridiculous. This exactly. This was so far-fetched. And, and is Taz ready to defend his guys? No, he runs to check on his son. The one time he's going to be a dad, this is it. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, this but, is Taz. We're raised in the streets. He's a casualty of war. You, you, you check on him later. Actually, not <laughs> now. No, not this Taz. So once again, Taz, you suck. Actually, several times I've documented how Taz sucked this very night. So anyway, while Taz is tending to hook, uh, the, the skateboard takes out everyone, and the scorpion death drop is delivered to Cage. Sting looks totally gassed from that one move. And yes, once yes. again... Team Taz, although they're ready for anything, not, they're not. Not only are they not ready for anything, they're not even at full strength, and they fail to react to the to the very same diversion tactics, which wouldn't divert anyone, but have diverted them fourteen times before that they should have been prepared for. They're prepared for anything, which I guess translates to prepare for nothing, which translates to Taz, you suck. Hashtag Fire Taz. Hashtag Fire Taz. Yeah, I second that. Good. Jeff, is there any way that these guys are actually going to win at Revolution? No, no. <laughs> there's no, there's no way. Like, you know, I there were a lot of people criticizing Matt Riddle winning the United States Championship because they were like, he was booked like a buffoon leading up to this, and now all of a sudden they just give him the title. Like, that's ridiculous. It should have been Keith Lee. Meanwhile, you know, Keith Lee wasn't even in the match, but. That was their criticism. When WWE does it, oh, it's bad booking to have the guy that's taking a lot of L's then get a W. Let me tell you how how impossible it is for Team Taz to win. Team Taz can kick open the forbidden back door 
and let in the Sandman, Raven, Tommy Dreamer, RVD, Sabu, New Jack, Terry Funk, and Rhino, and every other derelict they have on Impact that used to be in ECW and that's still doing the indies and, and doing virtual sign. He can bring in Bubba Ray, you know, or Bully Ray, whatever he goes by his days, and they'll still lose. Listen, I, I disagree with that because if I, I guarantee that if New Jack was in the ring and saw Darby Allen zip lining slowly to the ring, New Jack would have shot him. Maybe, but the reason that you should disagree is that King, is that Taz is so bad he would try to kick open the back door, but it'd be thicker than he thought, and he would break his ankle and wouldn't kick the door open at all. He'd break his ankle and fall down crying. He'd be like he'd be like the the, the guy from Family Guy when he's doing the ouchie Jeff. He'd be like, yeah. oh so he'd be down crying. So that that's why it would fail. But yes, this was, so, this was a shit show, Jeff. Like this, I was watching this, and I, I again like. I go into AEW wanting to like it, and then I, I see this, and I'm like, how am I supposed to believe this shit? Like, if it happened on WWE, again, my expectations are already low. So when I see, you know, uh, air quotes, cuckold angle with Lashley and Lana, you know, I buy in because I expect stupidity to happen. But yet everybody's, again, this exuberance of energy you want to tell me that AEW is so smart and so different yet i walk in and i get the same shit the only difference is i expect i have a higher expectation because you idiots feed me this dumb nonsense that i should expect more when i should really lower my expectations well well below wwe expectations because this booking is fucking ridiculous taz ricky starks who is now dead in my... How do I take Ricky Stark seriously after this bullshit? Um, Hook, all of them. They're all fucking losers. Cage, they're all idiots. They're all idiots. I can't take any of them seriously. Uh, Jericho and MJF have beaten and bloodied a basically unconscious Papa Buck. I don't know how Steven Seagal let them get the drop on him with his karate skills. Um, and then they each took turns slamming Papa Buck's head into each son's painted image on each side of the trailer door. Uh, the Bucks go chasing after, uh, you know, I, in some slow motion. Jericho and MJF are just ahead of them in a SUV converted limo and drive away just in time. So uh, the Bucks can't catch them and, and their father is severely injured. Mom is nowhere to be found, which is probably for the best. I saw this completely different. Uh, from my vantage point, I saw um, Papa Book, for whatever reason, ran into Jericho's fists inadvertently. And, you know, Jericho and MJF were trying to stop Papa Buck from viciously slamming his head because, you know, he's, uh, you know, uh, given birth, uh, seated a woman to give birth to these two hellspawn. And the guy was probably feeling guilty about that and wanted to take his own life. And Jericho and MJF were trying to stop him from ramming his head into the truck, which they couldn't stop him fast enough. They were trying to help this guy, much like Cole was trying to, you know, apologize. Jericho and MJF were trying to help Papa Buck. But unfortunately, there's no helping that family. Look at them. They can't even figure who they can't figure out who the heels are. They're, they're one week, they're their faces. One week, they're heels. One week, they're yucking it up. One week, they're trying to be serious. They can't fucking figure it out. 
Did you even realize how right you were? Because when we come back, after getting a recap of what we just saw, they're putting Papa Buck into the ambulance, and Nick Jackson climbs into the ambulance with them with who? The Good Brothers. So all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, did you notice that the both not not just Anderson, but Anderson and Gallows both get into the ambulance with them to so so they're, they're enemies one week, they're frenemies. It's, it's oh my not, god! I, I like, need to go rewatch that. I did not notice that. Yeah, the Good Brothers climb into the ambulance, traveling with the family to the hospital to the to the you know maybe fatally wounded father. So I mean, so you're exactly right. The the, the I mean, this whole thing is completely discombobulated. So I mean, <laughs> and I know that we come off as a couple of AEW haters. I will remind everyone once again. I'm going to try to make this as brief as possible. When AEW started in in its formation stages, I was really excited, and then some of their statements. I knew that they were bullshit right away, and they turned out to be bullshit, which made me not like them. I also thought that the first four months of the the, the, the TV show was all over the place and wacky-dacky. I thought a couple of the pay-per-views before that were good. A couple of them weren't. I was at full gear. I paid for floor seats. They bumped me from the fifth row to the sixth row because they didn't have enough people there on the heart cam sign that they actually moved people down and put them in my seats, so I felt a little crappy there. I went to StarCast. I, I went there for free. I was a, uh, a guest of a vendor, uh, but there was nobody there. Uh, so I, But I saw a lot of things with my own eyes. That said, come January 1st, right with Britt Baker for two and a half seasons, you know, uh, eight months. I, I loved AEW. I mean, not everything, but I loved AEW. It was my, it was my favorite show on TV, uh, uh, wrestling show on TV. And even since then, it, you know, there have been plenty of weeks where it's been the best show wrestling show on TV, but that's a low bar. Um, but it's gotten closer to what it was those first four months than what it was in the, this glorious Camelot period of, of eight months, at least in my mind. So I do want AEW to do well, but they, when I joked that they were WCW and fast forward, I, I would, I was hoping that they would stop, but they've, they've doubled and tripled down on it. And, and, and I don't quite understand why people, just don't see that and, and say, okay, I think it's cool that Kent is here. Maybe we're going to get bigger stuff. The thing with Impact, that's that's sort of cool or whatever it is. But, yeah, not all the wrestlers are that good. The women don't, don't get a lot of attention. I mean, I just wish people would be more realistic and say, okay, I'm going to enjoy what I get. It's not perfect, but I like it. And and WWE is, is stale. I, I can respect that view 100%. That makes perfect sense. Um we see an okay promo with uh, Marvez always in a suit catching up to Omega in a workshop. Uh, he's building what they're calling the Moxley Extermination Chamber. Apparently, Omega is a man of many skills. He's, he's using like the welding iron or hammer or something. <laughs> but you cannot hear much of what he's saying. Oh, and yeah. I, I think it's by design. I hope it's by design because somebody was like using a power sander or a buzzsaw or something in the <laughs> oh, back yeah. there. And, you know and, what's and, you know what's funny, Jeff? I I thought it was only my TV. I thought I was like, oh fuck, maybe my audio levels are off because I can't hear what Kenny is saying. Like, because the guy behind him is continuously sawing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm guess I'm gonna have to log on uh, to YouTube to hear what he said. But you're saying you had the same problem? Yeah, I don't I I don't think it was a problem. I think they did it on purpose. And it was sort of like, you know, Omega's like this every man. He's got all the skills. He can even build stuff. And, you know, he said something that if you want to do something right, you have to do it yourself. So 
I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they did it on purpose. And then he was saying, Marvez, get out of here. You're always bothering us. And everyone back to work. So, I mean, this was fine. It was, it was, this was okay. I mean, I've been enjoying the Callus Omega stuff fine enough, the, the, you know, especially after what I had just seen. One other note on the other match if you have Page and the Dark Order against Matt Hardy, you know, private party, the, assuming the two of them, because Mark Quinn's been missing, and then TH2, you've got like five against like eight. So either Matt Hardy needs to get some more guys or somebody needs to turn on the Dark Order. Maybe he's got to buy off like a, a Colt Cabana or someone. Um, I don't know. Evil Jr.? Right, the negative one. <laughs> Anna okay. Jay's out of the mix, so I guess... That, uh, that's where this is going, is Evil yeah. Jr. is going to be like, you know what, I see how well he treats Maxel, King Maxel. I want to be part of the Hardy clan. Fuck you guys, I'm leaving. Yeah, Rabbi's a very protective mother, too. But yeah, I guess the Anna Jay thing ends my little fantasy booking of the maybe original Qacon of Anna Jay being the new leader of the, of the Dark Order. Um, we get to the main event with Archer and Phoenix. People are talking about this match like it was great. If it was a no DQ oh my match, God. it would have been great. There Thank were some you. great spots, but there were no rules, so it, 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 it you know it lost something frame. But for me, but I did my one point here, and it, and it dovetails on your point, supporting you and impeaching myself is that we can already see Paul White's influence on the AEW big men because Archer is clearly acting like a heel again, except at the end when he did like a little fist bump with Phoenix. But he was totally healing it up, and so was Jake Roberts. So clearly his uh, you know four-week dalliance with a face turn is, is sort of temporary. So Paul White already teaching the big men that they can uh, turn at will. <laughs> I, like, I like that catch. Yeah. Going, so you, um, you can cover this match because, I, I mean – it was fun. I mean, it was entertaining enough, but I, the, I don't know. I found myself wishing I was watching NXT, and and to be honest, that doesn't happen most. Like most of the time, you know what's I, funny? That's exactly how I felt watching this match. But I powered through it because I was watching it, and I was like, "Listen, like, I, again, I've been very critical of the booking of the Latino talent and the 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 black talent." on AEW. And I hate to say this, but I already knew going in because of this, because my expectation in this realm of the AEW booking is already low. I knew they weren't going to put Ray Phoenix over, but I like to hope. So I stay tuned because maybe I'm like, okay, you know, Ray Phoenix Pentagon in this ladder match makes sense, right? Nope. Mm -hmm. Makes more sense to have Lance Archer, I guess. The thing that took, takes me out is when Shivani himself says, this is the match of the year. This is already a match of the year candidate. No, it's not. Well, he said that within the first five minutes. I know. I like, what the, that takes me out. That takes yeah. me out of the fucking match. Like, Cross versus Santos was a better match than this match. And it was also a no DQ match. So, like, uh, I don't know. I just have a hard time buying it. And then that takes me out. Great spots. But, again, a lot of it looks Great like it's, a, it's attempted choreographed. Yeah. Choreographed nope. spots. It's it's Ray Phoenix, uh, Lance waiting for Ray Phoenix to finish his spot, and then Lance can sell a Hurricane Rana or yeah. something like that. Like, it's just, like, don't tell me that you watch AEW for the wrestling – 
when there's so many more choreographed spots. And for some reason, when you watch NXT, and again, NXT, some of these guys are a lot greener than the AEW talent. They're developmental guys. And they look more crisp, more professional as wrestlers than the AEW stuntmen do. Well, yeah. I mean, AEW is more stunt dancing, and and there's a lot of reasons for it. Some of them were, were grew up, you know, even the veterans in lucha style, which doesn't have rules. Everything's a tornado match, um, so it's sort of hard to break those habits, and that's part of what makes them interesting. Some of them, they they went to a wrestling school for six weeks, and then they just started doing indies. Uh, you know, WWE is the only place that pays you to go to wrestling school. Every place else, you pay to go to wrestling school. Yeah. Um, but I mean. But, but it wasn't always like this, Jeff, though. Like, come on. Like, back in the day, like, when when I'd watch ECW, you had the same guys that were, like, indie guys. Granted, like, they had a lot of experience. A Lance Storm had a lot of experience under his belt. Jericho, when he was there, a lot of experience. Guerrero had a lot of experience under his belt. All these guys had a lot of experience. But... He would always, uh, he, Paul Heyman, would always find a Mike Awesome out of nowhere and make him look legit. Like, there wasn't this much green-looking talent in ECW, and they did the same fucking thing. It was all fucking high spots, all fucking, like, let's, you know, hit him with the kitchen sink. It's all the same stuff. But for some reason, AEW doesn't give a fuck about them looking sloppy. I agree with you. I mean, I think that generally speaking, you're right. I, I do want to give credit. I thought that the, I mean, these are spots, but I thought that when Ray Phoenix was blocked from uh, jumping off the, the top turnbuckle down to the floor on um, Archer, and then he sort of did a flip over uh, Jake Roberts onto the floor and sort of like a swanton flip onto Archer. That I mean, I thought that was cool. I've never seen that before. It was. Um, My wife was impressed. She was watching the match with me. Yeah, there was like a Spanish fly and, and Archer's Everybody Dies is, is a good move. I mean, you know, he has to do his obligatory walk the ropes, flip kind of thing. Uh, I liked how uh, uh, Archer got out of the way of something, but uh, Phoenix rolled it, rolled into it and turned it into a cutter, or like a rolling cutter. That was good. And I mean, there were certainly moves in here. That, I mean, there were parts. I understand why people would enjoy the match. Just it, all they had to do was call it a, a no DQ uh, uh, match or you know the ref got knocked out or something like that mm-hmm. it's something something to explain it and I would have been totally into it but the, the I, utter lack of rules sort of took me a little bit out of it that plus plus the fact that like and I'll, I'll just leave it at this it didn't feel like a main event match it, it that feels like it's an hour one Monday Nitro match well sure uh, I mean that's fine but it, but you know, but they're two supposedly big names. Now, I, I'm not sure that they really are, um, but it was a fast, action-packed match. I, I mean, I don't really complain about it. Th- this show was not live. It was pre-recorded. I think it was recorded last week. Oh, um, was it? Is that why yeah. there was nobody in the audience? I was, like, freaked out. I'm like, oh, shit, like, these were, ticket sales must be atrocious because yeah. the audience, which is usually lit up, is fully dark i can't see anybody in the audience besides the 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 ring talent yeah they they had they had started to go home by that time though only the diehards stayed for two shows but you know who was there brock anderson (laughs) (laughs) and and the gun club because they're like 
we get paid twice to be here and just and just cheer? You bet. Just in here? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm getting a new tattoo. Um, yeah, there is actually a lot of news this week that, that – and I'm not even sure the order to go through, but, I mean, I do think that we should take some time to uh, just recognize that Joseph Hudson died, also known as Josephus. Um, also probably most famously known recently as the question mark when in the NWA Renaissance, mm -hmm. I don't have anything to say about him because honestly, I never heard of him before he was on NWA power. And then with the question mark, which was a fun little gimmick, but it was sort of like, uh, you know, the, the, the contrast was NWA fans thinking that it was old school, hardcore wrestling while they were mocking orange Cassidy, and And the question mark was, I mean, no less a comedy character than, than Orange Cassidy was. But, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about him. He died young. It's an undisclosed illness. So I have no other information on that. I'll say, you know, sympathies to his family. Rest in peace. Uh, I'm sure more information will come out. I wish I had more to say. Could give you some sort of eulogy or some history on him. Don't know anything. I, and, and, you know, so just recognize that the, the man, a wrestler, died. It's a shame. Yeah. I like how you just steamroll into the news. I, you didn't even give me my opportunity to kind of sell the news. Oh, hey, right. it's I am really sorry about that. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I mean, usually we do deaths at the top of the show, and and I mean, I hate to say it, but it is what it is. He wasn't that big a star in wrestling. There were, and this is a wrestling show, and so I mean, it sort of, sort of felt like it deserved its own mention, but. It didn't feel, you know, to start the show with it and say, I don't know anything about the guy. I mean, if we were to start the show with him, I should have at least done his wiki page and, you know, pretend that we knew about the guy. Um, so, you know, enough about that. I'm, I'm just burying myself right now. So um, without a doubt, I'm leaving all of this in. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for news. So exciting, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So in some wrestling adjacent news, Young Rock week one had 5 million viewers, and then they had another 1.8 million viewers on the replay on NBC Peacock. Uh, they also replayed it again on USA. I don't have the numbers there after all this past Monday. Week two scored 3.5 million, which, you know, is a significant drop, about 40%. If everyone remembers uh, a year and a half ago when AEW and NXT first went head-to-head, -head, they both started and dropped 40% of their audience. So maybe this is typical. I don't know. We'll see. We'll continue to watch it. Um, SmackDown ratings went up a little bit, 2.1 million, a 0.5 in, in the demos. Raw went up a little bit, not a big, huge surge, despite what a certain Mr. Raphael thought was going to happen. 1.89, so a marginal increase, uh, 0.57 in the demos. Impact gave back some of its gains. It had its best show ever, as you recall, last week, about 197,000 on access. This week, 170,000. So, you know, before last week, that would have been pretty respectable and still pretty respectable, but they gave back, you know, a good amount, maybe when people realized that FinJuice was part of this forbidden door being kicked open when that news filtered out. Um, it just became fin juice or whatnot. But uh, anyway, still not bad for them. Go for AW did 131,000.35 in the demos. NXT 734,000.18. Uh, 
Um, both shows went up. Uh, NXT went up about 23,000 or tw- about a little bit over 20,000. AEW went up, went up about, I think, 75 or 85,000. So pretty, pretty considerable. Uh, we already did predictions next week that, that AEW will score very high next week. And I think NXT will do pretty well next week, too, but not, not AEW levels. Um, MLW I, is a – go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to predict here that by WrestleMania, NXT is going to start beating AEW on a consistent basis. The story, the storytelling is much, much is getting more compelling. The characters, like you said, are getting more compelling. The wrestling is much better. It's watch the 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 turn is going to happen. I wouldn't be. Surprised. And I'm not talking about Big Show. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if if that wasn't the start of things. I don't think it's going to be that smooth. But not just what you mentioned, but also. Their last few classes at the Performance Center have been amazing. I mean, Zoe Starks was just signed to the, to the last class, and she's already performing. Gigi Dolan was already on a card. So they're moving fast, but the, the, the amount of talent they have, the amount of restocking is, is just crazy. Plus, they're going to have the NXT Evolve show as well, which, you know, is going to give, you know, be able to develop some characters and, and have some uh, um, knowledge base with the audience so that when they do move on to NXT proper, they won't be strangers. It won't be like you're seeing Jake Atlas for the first time or Swerve or, you know, anything like that. They'll, they'll, they'll have some sort of established character. So you might be right. Um, by the way, AW Dark uh, this past week, 304,000. Um, not terrible, but last week was 403,000. Obviously there's been another week, but usually one week is is sort of where they plateau. Uh, and for contrast, two weeks ago, 344,000. MLW is an interesting story because we have been tracking them probably since about the third week that we've done this show. And they sort of went from 45 to 55,000 as being their plateau. And they started creeping up and creeping up. And the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing 95, 99,000, not unusual. So two weeks ago, is at 115,000. Last week, which was the Filthy Island card, which was supposed to be a big card, but I will tell you, it was cheesy and campy and weird and mostly yuck yucks and comedy stuff. And not all of it was good. Not all, all of it was bad either, but it was a weird show. The point is 60,000. So they sort of lost their that, that momentum to a certain ex- extent. And this week was a rerun from 2003. It was an MLW Underground which when they said they were bringing it back, I thought it had to do with the Azteca Underground storyline, where Azteca Underground was sort of taking over or trying to take over. No, that's what they used to call shows. And it was like Terry Funk and Abdullah the Butcher were in the main event. Anyway, I know it's only one day or one and a half days, but only 12,000 people have watched that so far. So Mm. they build their momentum and then they get cutesy and hurt their momentum and then the problem with not taping year-round or only taping periodic runs that they think would be attractions. And it's like they're sort of their own worst enemy. And I wouldn't be surprised if they start to get to that 45, 55,000 and crawl up again and then screw the pooch again. So we'll, we'll continue to track that uh, developing story. Just just put Selena De La Renta and uh, Alicia Tout in a match. Ratings. Well, that is happening, but you know what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that that uh, Katrina 
um, will reunite with Mia de Muertes. Uh, and, uh, you know, that might be a Selena de Laurenta Katrina uh, alliance in the beginning, but a schism down the line, which you know, Ooh, I'm there for it. A clarification of last week or a confirmation. Last week we reported Teddy Hart was in jail and I opined that it was most likely missed court dates. And in fact, it was. They're not new charges. He missed his court dates. They were bench warrants for outstanding charges from a, a year or so ago. Um, also, a few injuries of note in Japan. Tanahashi uh, was injured. He's He had a career-threatening injury a few years ago with his neck. This is not that, thankfully. It's his shoulder. But it does seem like he's going to be out for at least six months. And he did surrender his... I think they call it a junior heavyweight championship. So he surrendered it, and there's going to be a match. And I think Bushi is replacing him uh, as his proxy in that multi-person. I think it's a three-way match. Um, there are stories that Naito has a knee injury and that he was taken off some cards. I'm not sure if that's a real injury or if that's a work or not. Um, but let's just report it. Let's just leave that there. Um, we already talked about Anna Jay out six to 12 months, which is a hell of a range. MVP's injury is confirmed. It's, it's actually real. I don't, there's been no timetable for his return. Heath Slater, who uh, we reported uh, weeks ago, had uh, messed up his ankle pretty badly shortly after getting to impact, is having serious surgery uh, to repair that damage. So I, it, it doesn't sound good. I, I, I'm not sure if it's career-threatening, but surgery is always career threatening so is it is it an achilles heel uh i am not yeah. sure I, I know that it's ankle uh related i don't i think it's mm. bone not tendon gotcha. um tna made yeah. some news if you want to call it news they i'm sorry impact they officially reinstated the tna title uh and there's going to be a, a unification match which we alluded to earlier in qacon uh, theory number one, but uh, Moose, yeah, there's gonna be Moose against Rich Swan at their next pay per view to unify those titles. Um, in some business news, NXT is now going to be carried on Sportsnet 360 in Canada, so NXT is now uh, gonna have more exposure in Canada. So, WWE, you know, still managing to make money, um, you know, uh, I guess the easy way. Okay, now this is a story, this is a news story which I think is going to give us some conversation. Marty Skrull has been, was seen backstage at a New Japan Strong Show in Los Angeles. It's now confirmed that he's on an on-air role, so I'm not sure if it's a per appearance or a contract, but Marty Skrull has a job in wrestling in the United States for New Japan, North America. Um, and my feelings on Marty Skrull is that he, he committed either something that was extremely, extremely creepy or rape uh, and, you know, got away with it for the typical reasons that people get away with rape. Um, and that, you know, he didn't get convicted. It's alleged. No charges were pressed. None are pending. It happened years ago. Um, but that, you know, does he deserve to work? Sure. Bagging groceries, pumping gas. You know. <laughs> you know, doing, being a truck driver, doing, you know, working for Amazon, working, you know, at a fish shop, anything, anything that any other person can do that, that doesn't involve being a celebrity on TV. I don't think, I don't think he deserves a second chance of being a star. 
and shame on you, Japan, for for hiring him in any capacity. I think we should have like a contest to see which listener can come up with the best um, job for Marty Skrull. We should have like a contest on our Facebook page, and you just drop your your thoughts in that comment. That's fine, maybe, but villain is not allowed. What's that, villain? Villain and professional wrestler are disqualified. Well, it's got to be the most creative, like non-wrestling related, non-gimmick related job. I like the idea of like, I see whenever you were rifling through those, I, I picture Marty like catching fish at like the uh, that Seattle fish market where they toss the fish. I was picturing the same thing. I, I love it. So yeah, let's have a contest and maybe we'll give away a t-shirt from pro wrestling tees. Um, Sounds good. To give it away. Let's yeah. see. Um, some other WWE media news, WWE and a and E network, the arts and entertainment network. Uh, they, they've uh, greenlit and they're going to have a nine episode show called most wanted treasures. And it's basically uh, triple H and Stephanie McMahon being basically like, pawn shop stars or what was the show where they would go like um antique uh, searchers or whatever anyway they're gonna go around and and like uh, appraise people's ww collectibles and see if they're worth anything i, I imagine that if they are they'll, they'll offer people money on the spot and things like that as if they need it they have a whole warehouse full of stuff but so anyway, it's it's a nine-episode season. I, you know, who knows if there'll be more seasons or not. But yet another stream of income, another network that probably doesn't have a lot of wrestling eyes. And, you know, ratings don't matter as much with reality TV shows because they're very cheap to produce. And they rerun them a billion times mm-hmm. for infinity. I mean, th- th- those things, will they're, they're going to be seen on Pluto. Um, yeah. So. I will I will tell you that I'm interested only because if you've ever watched one of these shows like Pawn Stars or um there's one that they Roadshow is the one. Antique Roadshow is one, but that one's kind of because it's PBS, it's more kind of like not as it's more kind of well put together, it's more polished whereas like Pawn Stars is more like Hey, we just uh, found uh, this thing. Let's go run over to the the warehouse, and then the warehouse is like a hoarder's night, a hoarder's wet dream, and and so like I like the idea of that, and then putting Stephanie McMahon in like those situations where it's like, oh my god, I've been such a fan of you guys. Look, I've got. I've got a Hulk Hogan. Hey, we don't talk about that guy anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just, I would love to see that. Well, wrestling collectibles is definitely a thing. I mean, people, even if they don't like the oh, product, without a doubt. They, they get their Funko things. They get excited when there's new figures, new lines of figures. They get the same video game every year because you can unlock, uh, I don't know, the bald rock or rock with all the tattoos with the versus without. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I Look don't at know. my creator. Look, Steph. H, I need to show you my creator wrestler. Yeah, I, I don't miss posts on people showing me their video <laughs> game creativity. <laughs> the one bit. Um, oh my god, I just want to see Stephanie McMahon like in these awkward situations. Like, come on, you know that they're going to walk into these hoarder-like situations because you know wrestling fans are not the most well-kept 
people. So like they're going to just walk in and it's going to be like half episode of hoarders, half episode of, you know, antiques roadshow. Like I uh, love it. I'm there for it's it. It's going to be that, that um, South park guy. The, the, the fact oh my God. Yes. 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 It's going to be that guy going, well, I got this card back in. Do you remember Tri- triple H? Do you remember uh, Jesse Ventura? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, yeah. you probably don't remember this match, but you had just <laughs> torn a quad and you had came back and the crowd really puffed you. Yeah. I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. How, how do you remember? That's amazing. Yeah. I, I don't even remember that match. Stephanie, do you remember when you were about to be crucified by the undertaker? Well, I was there live and I soiled myself in my underwear here on my underwear. Oh, that's lovely. This is some of the barbed wire that tied you to the crucifix. <laughs> and this is actually a reliquary with some of your blood. They're going to be like, great, Eugene, we nice. should have never hired you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Don't make eye contact. Slowly back away. It would be great if if they dressed as their news anchor, their face news anchor thing, or when she was on Undercover Boss. That oh my god, yes, <laughs> it, yes. It and then they're like, "I hate." What do you guys think of the current booking? I fucking hate it. A W so much better. Oh, okay. Thanks a lot. Keep all that shit in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. They'll be fabulous. A um, little bit of news on my favorite Ring of Honor. EC3 returned to TV action and they announced that he signed a contract with Ring of Honor. No details on the time, the term, anything like that, but he signed a contract. So there you go. Um, Ring of Honor, we have new six-man champions, Shane Taylor Promotions, which is Shane Taylor, Khan and Moses, the, the Soldiers of Savagery defeated Nexus Squad, which is Ray Oris, which you People may know as El Dragon and Azteca from Lucha Underground, uh, Bandito, and Flamita. Uh, there are going to be two title matches this week on TV, including a uh, tag team title match. Uh, there's going to be a contender match and a title match. Um, and also, it's Ring of Honor's 19th anniversary, and they're going to have a 19th anniversary pay-per-view show, but the first hour of it will be free on their YouTube channel. Um, I mean, obviously, we'll try to draw you in or whatnot, but if you're interested in catching the first hour for free, you can. Um, I believe that's all the news, unless you have some breaking news on Zelina Vega and uh, SAG Astra or, or being a, in a, a, a union or something like, of that nature. I, you know what? I, I do have two bits of information. I don't know if they're related. Okay. One is oddly enough, while Raw was airing, there was a lot of WWE talent tweeting out, the sky is blue. Hmm. And everybody was wondering, like Cedric Alexander tweeted it out. Lashley tweeted it out after the show. Like a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of talent was tweeting this out. And some people picked this up to mean that it was... It's kind of like a wink, like if there was a union vote, I'd vote for a union. Um, I don't know how much stock to take in that, but that's what I feel uh, that was on in the rumor mill over the week. Also, on a related note, because it's Thea Trinidad related, 
she apparently on Wednesday was flying to Los Angeles for whatever reason and also dyed her hair with red highlights. Ooh, that's great. Um, I took the the sky is blue stuff to mean that the blue meanie was signed and the blue world order was coming back. Oh, yeah. I, I saw only Cedric posted. I was like, oh, Cedric going to SmackDown? But then I saw a lot of people posting it, and I was like, oh, this doesn't mean anything about SmackDown, but we'll see. I don't know. Well, uh, I, I mean, I didn't know that blue represented union. I mean, blue represents a few things. It's the Democratic Party color. It could be blue matter, but I can't imagine that is what they were tweeting about. No. Um, blue represents water or the sky in flags. Um, <laughs> uh, if it does represent that, that's interesting, but... Um, I don't know. It's easy to tweet something and retweet something. It's harder to make the vote, especially when you're at the, the, the top of the food chain and, and stuff like that. So anyway, listen, it, it'll be interesting to see. And if that's the case, there'll certainly be stuff for us to talk about. Uh, like if the uh, Joseph Meehan slash Joey Ryan suits continue, there'll be lots of stuff for us to talk about. So I don't have any other news, at least none, not that I either wrote down, or at least I, my handwriting is so bad that I can't read what I wrote. But I think that the, I either have check marks or crossouts next to everything that I wrote down. So I think I'm good, my man. I think we, I think we, we covered the world. We nailed it. We did it again. Did, did we get a shout out from someone special this week? Jeff and Steve. Yes, we did. We have a shout out from a special lady, That's a lady great. friend. We're going to play that after we close the show. Stay mm -hmm. tuned for that. That's good. That's that's wonderful. Good, a close personal friend of the of the show. A close personal friend of both of ours, really. Um, that's, that's right. That's terrific. Um, and we hope to have a interview with a close uh, a, a work affiliate friend of hers coming down the pipeline soon enough. So uh, more things to come here on the Hammerlock Hangover. Guys, this has been episode number 19. Thanks for listening. Um, it is much appreciated. Please, if you like this podcast, if you've had fun listening to it, had a couple laughs, please make sure you share this with a couple of your buddies that like wrestling. So that way we can get the word out and build that audience. Um, Jeff, anything else? Yeah, please check out my other podcast, Garden of Doom. Um, you never know what you're going to get each week, which I think is sort of unique in, in podcasts, but uh, we'll cover the serious to the not-so-serious, uh, artists of, of different venues or genres. Uh, we'll talk about pop culture. We'll talk about ancient aliens. We'll talk about Bigfoot. We'll talk about uh, pan-cultural events. So check it out. Free show, usually between 75 minutes and two hours. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting, but again, you, you don't know what you're going to get week in, week out, but I, I guarantee you that you'll learn at least three new things each week. Even if you don't believe them, you'll become aware of them. Um, also, uh, I'm on a, a few, uh, podcasts on the rational rage network. Um, I, I've been done a couple of NXT podcasts with them. I've been on the SmackDown review podcast, I think three weeks in a row. So I think I'm formally a co-host there not as in officially not you know past tense um and You're some not guest starring yeah so yeah i'm no longer a guest star i'm, I'm officially a you know a co-star um so yeah so that's fun and 
I don't know. I think uh, I think for our fast lane show, we can pre-advance that that we uh, have booked Kevin Castle to be our special guest for the pre-fast lane uh, Hammerlock Hangover episode. So that's exciting. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yes, I, things are always happening here. We're, we've we've always got things going on. Things are always happening here. Thanks for listening. Uh, and Rational Rage Network, you, you can find that on Podbean. Uh, they have uh, wrestling content and other great podcasting content there. So please check them out. And that's about it, guys. So if you want to interact with me, you can find me on Twitter at Big Daddy Cool. That's all one word, Big Daddy Cool, the, with a C, not a K. Um, and yeah, that's all we have. That's all the wrestling news, all the wrestling gossip that's fit to speak about. Our Thank Facebook you so much. Page. Oh, that's right. Check us out on our Facebook page. Just search Hammerlock Hangover and we'll pop up. And we're going to post something about this wrestling, uh, pro wrestling tease contest where um, if you come up with the most creative job, non wrestling, non gimmick related for Marty Skrull. We will give you a pro wrestling tee of your choice. As long as it's, I think, let's say $30 or less, we will let you pick that out. We're terrific. So yes. Check um, that out. You know what we did? We got a show in in under two and a half hours, even though there was a pay-per-view this week and a lot of stuff to talk about. So you know what? We are going parabolic to the moon. Yo! Good night, everyone. I'm going to have some moonshine. Good night, everybody. Hey, guys. Carly Perez here, a.k.a. Katrina from Lucha Underground. I just want to give a shout-out to the listeners of the Hammerlock Hangover, the Garden of Doom, and the viewers of Unpopular Review. I send you guys my wishes and kisses. Thanks for listening to the Hammerlock Hangover podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate us as if you were Okada in the Tokyo Dome and leave us seven stars or as many likes as you can. Please share our awesome podcast with all your friends and family who enjoy wrestling and your favorite social media outlet. If you want to interact with us, you can find Hammerlock Hangover on Facebook and Twitter you can also email us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to catch you on the next episode. You are listening to the Rational Rage.